Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing of the NRL tour. And we are back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcasts and Boxhead Round 2 again. Uh, a couple of surprise results, some teams punching above their weight, and uh, I've really enjoyed the football so far. Yeah, it's been good. Very good. Uh, again, the form line from round one, we said it last week, probably wouldn't prove to be true again in round two, and yet yeah, threw up its surprises, as it always does, and this first month of footy is going to be, it's going to be very hard to get a read, I think, on most sides, um, which has proven to be true so far, hasn't it? Yeah. What well, is that, three or four teams that are left undefeated after two, so... A couple of teams from the bottom four leading the competition. Warriors, yeah. Knights, Tigers after two rounds, but a lot of people, they jump up and down. We always know, though, eight to ten weeks in, we get a better idea of what's going on, and then obviously after the origin period, we see who the real contenders are when the whips get cracking. Yeah, well, even that this year is going to be different because we don't have the same sort of uh, impact on the, on the season, so these games are going to be probably even more important. Yeah, um, more important than usual. Without the three games, the drag out. Five teams, five teams undefeated. So, and of those teams, three didn't make the eight, or four didn't make the eight last year. So there you go. Good starts, good starts <laughs> indeed. But uh, we'll jump straight in. A big thank you, obviously, to our sponsors. Who will give a plug to Penrith Solar Centre, PokerDeluxe.com, the Pro Sports Syndicate, uh, and obviously in a PM Boltmaster. We'll give them a live read after we do our set of six to kick things off, Broxhead. But uh, Probably the first thing I'm going to bring up, and we'll get the negative stuff out of the way from the weekend, uh, GI, the racial slur at the game, and then obviously the reoccurring theme that everyone wants to talk about is the Matt Lodge story. So on the GI thing, I think this one's pretty simple and straightforward. It's unacceptable. It's pretty bloody sad that in 2018 that people still carry on the way they do and throw out racial slurs in the way the world is today. Like, it's... Yeah, I want to commend Penrith how they've handled it, but they got ahead of it. They were onto it on Sunday. They'd released a statement. Um, they forwarded it to the integrity unit. They contacted South. I think that it was handled pretty well. Uh, GI, I think, rung them Sunday morning. So and they were onto it by midday. Everyone was aware of it. Everyone was aware that they were trying to find out who it was. At this point in time, I think they know seat numbers. They've got a pretty good idea of who it is. So. Yep. Yeah, don't be a knucklehead at the footy. No. And, like, I don't think we're on a... Uh, we're not on the same sort of tangent and direction as somewhere like the US, which has a lot of protests based around race, and there's still a lot of issues coming from, obviously, their history as a country, but uh, we do have our issues in terms of race. 100%. Which are still very raw uh, for some people, and we need to be sensitive of all cultures. And it's just, plain and simply, regardless of colour... Black, white, green, red, blue. I don't give a shit. Just be respectful. 100%. And the sad part is... Just because you pay your money through the gate 
doesn't give you the right to be a dickhead. Not to carry on like that. And yeah. It's a multicultural game as well. We have people from Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, Please. New Zealand, all sorts. We've Walk got through Sydney. indigenous We're... people in the game. Like it's, yeah. it's a multicultural game. We've got to so. be one of the most multicultural countries. Like I look in my classrooms at school and yeah. they are as multicultural as you'll get anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's just so more sad that You're someone... living in the wrong place if you've got racial, um, I guess, bones in your body. Yeah, it more just shows a lack of intelligence. I think going to a game, getting a few beers under your belt, and then carrying on like a knucklehead like that of all the things you could yell. For out. for me, it's disappointing because it's it's someone. What well, I, I don't know for sure that it's someone from Penrith or the Western Sydney region, but it certainly doesn't help the stigma that exists out here. No, exactly. You know, just it's frustrating. And the other sure. one, obviously, the lodge thing is carried on and it keeps carrying on. I'm just going to go back to my original point. If the NRL would have addressed this situation from the start, no, if Brisbane would have. Both of Brisbane. Because the NRL it's have not all the, the NRL's underlo- responsibility. Well, they're the ones who accepted everything, have done the counseling, psychology. Yeah, like they Todd it Greenberg off. come on the front foot afterwards to say how they came about approving the contract. Like Brisbane, I get it. They're the ones who wanted him back. But the NRL are the one who ran him through all the checklist. So what they should have come out straight away and said when he was accepted back into rugby league... That's not their job. Well, they're the ones who accepted and put him through all these yeah, checklists. that's not their that. job. So they're the not the one paying his wage. Alcohol management. Brisbane. Well, they're the ones who get think, to say whether he gets a wage from the game, though. So they're the yeah, ones who fine. should have come okay, out and given not... the reasons as to why from step day, in day one and all these details. Like, he's they come have. out today and now saying that all this stuff has been clarified by lawyers and... God knows what else, but if they would have got on the front foot and just given yeah. all this information from day one... I reckon you're giving Brisbane a free ride there. I'm not giving Brisbane I, a free I, ride. I don't think it's the NRL's responsibility. But the NRL had the ultimate power to say, we're going to register this contract, we're happy with everything you've been doing off the field and continuing to do. Yeah. Brisbane are the ones who obviously wanted to come but back. why can't they do that behind closed doors? They have to like continue that as well, because all this stuff just keeps coming out, and everyone's surprised about it, that they knew about it. They should have just addressed it from day dot. Brisbane should have. Because he's their employee. Well, they, they're the ones that wanted to why sign Why the NRL have approved it? Yeah, yeah, well, so it's on the NRL and the integrity no, I don't think so. and the game I for disagree. letting him come back. I disagree. Brisbane have got a free ride on this, and Wayne Bennett keeps turning the uh, gun back at the media and saying that you know you're trying to divide us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, Wayne, if 18 months ago when you decided to bring Matt Lodge into a feeder club underneath the Brisbane Broncos uh, and sign him with the the knowledge that you would want him throughout the 18 months prior to today him to play NRL for your club you should have got ahead of it and given people some reasons as to why what he had done in terms of his development and reconciliation with the people over in New York what he's doing in order to address his issues with alcohol his behaviour etc etc to me it's, it's not good enough it's not good enough and for him to come out and say well I signed him because he's a fo- good football player that's the sh- most stupid answer I've ever heard in my life you can't just sign people because they're good football players. What if they're murderers? We've got murderers that might be good football players. Does that mean that they get employed as well? If the only uh, category that we're looking at is that they're a good player, well, we've seen that's it a stupid answer. We've seen it a really, really stupid answer. And it's such a dumb thing to say when you're looking at the holistic nature of our game. We're trying to get more women yeah. uh, to watch footy. We're trying to get more kids to, to participate. But yet we've got boneheads like him who just look at their own backyard and their own team and their own little niche market that he's got up there in Brisbane, okay, and we let him get away with saying stupid things like that. It's not about that at all. It's not about him just being a good footballer. The game's more than that now. 100%. And the NRL, like I said, it's on both because they're also the ones that let so Robert... I disagree. Yeah, but they've let Robert Louis come back in. They've let other people that have done much worse things in the example I made before again of a Todd Carney. No, well, see, I don't have a problem a dickhead, with... I don't but he can't get a contract. With, um, I don't have a problem with Matt Lodge coming back. If the NRL has said, right, you're good to go, whatever, like they have, I'm fine with that. 
But Brisbane, if you're going to employ him, you need to say, hey, look, we're employing Matt Lodge. Yes, he's had these issues. This is what he's done in order to make himself a better person, to address what he's done. This is the reason why he's allowed back into the game. Problem solved. They have done. They that, didn't though. do that. They no, well, they have now. And the NRL they did it now. Ran them through. They, they had all they did it now because the media gun, gunned them down for it. Yeah, but everyone's asking the NRL because they're the ones who ultimately have the power, which no, is what I'm getting that's at. That's rubbish. Why did that's you register a cop the deal? Out. Such a cop out. But they're the ones who have the final say. Brisbane can. They're the ones who have the final say. Yeah? yeah, they say your contract but is registered. They made him so go. So do you now want the NRL doctors. to come out now and defend Todd Carney if they rubber stamp his contract? They give the reason why. The Cowboys want to sign him. It's the Cowboys' job to say as to what he's been through because in the end they're the ones. Footing the bill for it, they're and they're the, the ones bill. that are putting him through. But the NRL that also training. ultimately is the one who ticked off the deal, so they both have to come out and say what's been doing. Brisbane yeah. have put these things in place. The NRL yeah. had their doctor, they're... their psychologist, all this. Look, I'm the first to kick the NRL, but not on this one. I think it's both that are no. responsible. I'm not giving either a free pass. But my big issue, again, you've brought up before, someone like Robert Louis can get in trouble multiple times off the field. We've got this situation yeah, can't keep going as back well. To that. Yeah, but then you got Todd Carney, and I said it. That. This is my issue. He's a dickhead, but he pissed in his mouth. He didn't hurt anyone. He's just a dickhead. But that is enough to go, oh, well, we don't know if we're going to register him. What's he done? like? Well, this go back, goes back to the underlying issue of all of it is consistency. Yeah, that's fair. The integrity unit don't have any consistency at all. Yeah. In terms of... If, and it's very hard to. Very, very hard to. He did this. He did that. They don't compare. Every case is, is different. Uh, different. And they have different things that go on behind the scenes. The media also are not uh, free of guilt in this. They've got their own agenda. They're going to sell papers. They're going to well, they're uh, dramatise it, really. it. Yeah, but Brisbane, be smarter than what you are. You, did you just honestly think that the media was going to give you a free ride on this? No. Well, they obviously did because they didn't to... get in front of it. No. Now they're getting hammered for it. And Wayne Bennett wants to blame the media. It's, you know, I thought that I thought that we'd poured water on it when he did the interview with Yvonne Sampson. I thought that that would have poured water on it. But for me... I don't know. It, 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 seem, it doesn't seem to have put out the fire in some people. And well, there's still for me. I think people are always going to be polarized one way or the other, whether you think he deserves another chance or not. I, you know how what I think. I think you get one chance, and then if you cock up again, you're out. So for me, you know, if I was applying that across every player in every situation, Matt Lodge, in my my idea of what the NRL should be, wouldn't be allowed back in. But I don't have control over that. And now he's back in the game. So I'm just going to get on with it. I'm not going to sit on my high horse. But I look at Brisbane and I just think, you have mishandled this. Well, 100%. But I think massively. both have done a bad job. Yeah. That's, um, that's more my issue is that the club, but the me, NRL, yeah. they've both got We're it wrong. They've both yeah, got it wrong. For me, I don't want to talk about Matt Lodge anymore. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd prefer if people are firing questions through about Matt Lodge, if you've got your own opinion on it, Form it, keep it to yourself because you know we've been over it a hundred times. Yeah. If you want to put it in the inbox or something like that, that's fine. But as far as the forums the pod, and the no. questions, we're done with it. They've made it. They've made a decision on it, the NRL. Like I'm not going to say get on with it, no, because that's not the right not thing to say. And, the and issue, if you are a female listener, fire. we have female listeners, plenty yeah. of female listeners. I don't know how you, how you would feel about that because I'm not a female. But I I know that if I asked my wife if he should be playing in the NRL, Definitely she would not. say no, no. So that's the only, I guess, you know, and if we asked our mum if she thought he'd be playing in the NRL, she would probably say no. no. So that we don't know what it's like to, to feel, no. you know, as, as, a, as a woman would feel. It's, and it's got to be a really gut-wrenching, I, I guess, feeling in the fact that they, they, they feel as though someone who has demeaned their gender and their sex and uh, is now allowed and given a free ride in, in, in some sort of way. And I agree with that. 
but for me, like he's he's back now. I just hope that he can do more good now yeah. than what he has done bad because we can't change what he's done. Let's just move forward and hope, hope to God that he does some really good things. Like I look at it and think, eighteen months down the track, he could be a really good story if he does, plays well I and then does some things. Does some things off the field. I'm talking about, mm. you know, and and that's on him. On no one else. And it's yeah. only going to be time. The next thing I want to be talking about in terms of Matt Lodge are good things, hopefully. Yeah, well, I think it's going to take a lot more than a year or 18 months for things to pass over. The more the reason you don't want to talk about it, we don't want to keep getting it far. Is like you said, the media is more doing it now because it's just a way to keep pumping papers, keep flying out stories. They're loving it for that side of things. We mm. just don't want to give it the air because of the disgusting nature of it. It has been addressed. It has yeah, been spoken we're, about. We're not, we're not trying no. to sell our podcast sell for, and peddle an agenda. We're just no. giving our honest honest feedback and, and honest it's been addressed a couple of times so we don't want to keep going back to something that yeah. we spoke about so we'll leave it there that's one couple of bad things happening in the game uh, the second one's only a short point I just want to give a shout out to Sam McKendry because I was absolutely devastated on the weekend and I hate seeing players get injured but three consecutive years three really hard rehabs on the same knee and two games back he's blown his ACL again so I don't want to say it's over but from having both my knees done and having some bad injuries and getting on a bit further, I don't know how he's going to come back again. Well, and even if he does, I think he's got to take a look in the mirror because it is a really, really hard process and it really is a hard, hard slog whether he really wants to go through this again at age 29 after three consecutive... And I just feel... I'm devastated. I was devastated watching on the weekend. Yeah, well, the one the one for me, the good... I guess the good news story or, I mean, an example in the game that would give him some hope would be Benji Marshall because he, I think he had three major shoulder reconstructions and he's come back and he hasn't really had a shoulder issue for quite some time. But, uh, it's, yeah, it's a horrendous thing. Anyone, any player getting injured, yeah. you know, we, we've obviously got teams we support and players we like more than others in terms of what they do on the field. But in the end, you never want to see anyone get injured. No, nah, it's, it's, it's these things, as you said, three years in a row. And these guys are just that slug when I mean, they just can't get out of it. And it seems that every time they claw their way back, they just can't find a way out of it. And mm. I'm not saying he's at the back end of the road, but after three knee reconstructions, when you're a front row, your mobility, your lateral moving, all these kind of things, and you're getting close to 30, I don't know whether it will be the end. I hope he does keep pushing. I think I'm pretty sure they restructured his deal last year, so he's got a couple of years to run, but... It's just, it's a shit rehab. It's a hard time mentally, and I just was devastated on the weekend for him. So we send our best wishes to Sam McKendrew in his recovery, and whatever decision he makes moving forward, hopefully he comes out on the bright side of things and we see him play first grade mm. again. Well, he's the only one that's going to be doing all the rehab and the slogging. So yep. whatever decision he makes, fully respect it. Yep. On a, a more positive note of that, we want to, the Benji Marshall Tigers situation where he got the players to go over and form that tunnel. Uh, the gesture for Billy Slater when he was walking off in the 300th, I thought that was a positive to come out of the weekend, despite. Some of the bad things we've obviously seen, and that was a really good thing for someone in their 300th game. Massive. As a person of Billy's stature, obviously, in the game. So, yeah. Uh, Benji Marshall doing everything right, as are the Tigers. Very classy return his first two weeks. So, I think that's something we have to acknowledge. In yeah, oh, definitely. Six. Yeah, without it, uh, it was probably something that would have been would have gone through to the keeper if we uh, if he wasn't getting interviewed by Fox Sports at the time, because that was sort of what drew their attention to it. But um, yeah, it's just a good good story to have. The Tigers are a good story, full stop, because most people would have expected them to be 0-2. You know, they were the team that we looked at and thought, geez, man, they're going to they're gonna do very, very well to win one of those first two games, and they've come through and won both. So yep. it just shows you how unpredictable, I guess, those first, well, the first few rounds of the, uh, the Premiership are. Yep. Uh, the brand of footy and the referees is something I want to talk about in point four. To me, I think, and I said it last week, I think... The trend, as you spoke about before, is starting to head back towards more attack, 
more offloads, more flamboyant football. I don't know if you agree or not, but for the first two weeks, I'm honestly probably enjoyed the games, even the, the poorer quality games, more than a lot of the games I watched last year. So I'm really, really positive early on that we're in for a great season. And the other one for me, people have been complaining about the referees. I love what the referees are doing. I love the sin bins. I love the play-the-ball penalties. I don't care that there's been more penalties. I think the games are actually been better on that side of things as well. I just hope it continues. So I don't know from your perspective, but two weeks in, I'm absolutely loving what I'm seeing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, I went and shot my mouth off on the podcast last week and said that we hadn't had a roll-ball penalty in our Harold Matthews side in the first five rounds. And with five minutes to go on the weekend, we, uh, we had a roll-ball penalty go against us. But... On, on video, the referee got it 1 million percent right. He didn't put his foot on the ball. So uh, I love it. Yeah, and it's something that I get into video this week and I say, you know, it's a controllable element that you had control over and you didn't put your foot on the ball. Well, so Someone the other day whinged about the penalties. They should have been penalising from the start to play the balls. They should be sending people to the bin yeah. the last couple of years if you give away six or seven penalties inside. These are things that should have been happening. And Referee be the game as you should to the rules. Be aware as a fan because what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks is that you're going to start going, oh, they're blowing too many penalties. Yeah, but you are the same person that in round 26 last year are saying, why aren't they, they penalising people for putting a foot on the ball and why aren't they sin-binning people and oh exactly. we're going to bring the yeah so you can't can't be uh, you just you've got to accept it for what it is I think the rules are in the rule book uh, the referees are they been a little bit overboard I don't I think, think so they probably probably are to a degree they're penalising things that should have been but I think also that the players are also thinking that well, I think the players are probably thinking well they're, they're not going to do this forever no, but so we're just going to keep doing it. I think they are because now you can't cheat the no, ref no, no. with the role. What I'm saying ball. is, I hope that the referees just stick at it. I think they will. Yeah, good. I hope they do because, but history tells me that they won't. Two main things: you can't cheat the ruck anymore with a row ball, a roll ball. If you've been tackled and you've been dominated, you're going to get a slow play the ball because you have to play it properly, or you'll be pinned. And inside twenty, you can't give away six or seven penalties anymore and just keep turning up with thirteen men. They're sending you to the bin. They're punishing you for what you're doing, restricting your team, trying to slow things down, and it's cost a couple of teams tries the last few weeks. Yeah. as well as petrol in the tank. So I'm very happy with it. I had two points about the Raiders and the Eels, but a million people ask questions, so I pushed them out. So the last one to adjust it for that uh, is the Melbourne and the Cowboys on the weekend. Was there a bit of a blueprint given by both the teams that played against those sides in the Broncos and the Tigers as to how to play against them? Melbourne, obviously, under a lot of pressure. Good line spin from the Tigers and obviously offloads in yardage, making lots of second efforts on that big forward pack. And they really pushed the envelope on Croft early on, who's young, he was a bit erratic. And I think the other one for the Cowboys side of things, with such a big forward pack, comes a lack of mobility. And particularly, they just narrowed the channel, went down the middle and went after Matt Scott and a couple of those bigger boys and they found some success. Can other teams channel into that the next couple of weeks or throughout the season and try and expose No, it? I think the Cowboys, one thing I took away from the Cowboys game is they missed a lot of tackles. I don't think it was so much that they were weak in the middle, but if you're missing a tackle, if you're missing three, four, five tackles in a set and allowing offloads... It's like you're making 10 to 15 tackles per set. So it's just going to gash you. The weather up there was hot. They gave away too much ball. And they were denied the win by, by the posts. Yeah. Brisbane still should have lost that game. You know, taking into account all the ball they had even. So well, I think- for me, I don't think there are massive issues with the Cowboys. Melbourne, I think people, again, are a little bit ignorant to the fact of how good Cooper Cronk was for that team. How, you know, even if he's not touching the ball, just the direction that he gives that side... I thought their attack was clunky. Uh, I thought their effort was poor, to be fair, particularly for the first yeah, 20 I think minutes. the middles were pretty poor. You know, they're going to be better. They're, they're a good football team. You know, the blueprint, if you're going to beat them like that, good luck, because they had chances to win. There was a pass that I thought was borderline uh, from Billy Slater out to the winger. I'm not sure which side it was on, but 
Uh, it was called forward. For me, it could have easily been called back and it would have been a, a Melbourne victory. And even with a couple of minutes to go, you're thinking that Melbourne are going to close it out. Again, they had the lead, similar to what the Roosters did last week against the Tigers. But the Tigers, to their credit, if you're in the game, you're a chance of winning the game. And they've done it two weeks in a row now. You're not going to get away with that uh, every week of the comp, but you've got to be really, really impressed with what the Tigers are doing despite the challenges that they've got in terms of their roster and injuries and et cetera, et cetera. Ivan Cleary's doing a good job. Yeah, and the last one we had here, just a quick one to punch through, uh, underachievers and overachievers. So early on, you definitely have to say that you're overachievers. Maybe, I don't know if it's overachieving or not, but I think Newcastle, obviously pulling off both wins in tight circumstances considering what they've come through, you'd say that overachieved. The Tigers most definitely, Mm -hmm. knocking off probably two of the top three sides that you'd be expecting to come into this year and... The Warriors, I don't know, again... If yeah, well, they're so overachievers. Overachieving, they're overachievers. Those three early on would be the teams you're looking at in that Based sense. on what people's predictions were. Underachievers, I think, are quite easy well, as well. Well, let's go through the overachievers first. Like we've just said, the Tigers. The Tigers are the, the glaring one. They've yeah. played Melbourne and the Roosters. Like, Roosters were favourites coming into the comp. Melbourne last year's premiers away. Like, they're, they're milestone massive. Milestone game. Two massive wins. Well, that's the other thing, yeah. 300. Slater 300. They never lose milestones. Newcastle could easily be 0-2. Uh, yeah. But... The good thing for Newcastle is is that their games they lost last year and this year they're winning them. Yeah, they lost 10 of them or 12 of them they left at half-time. There you go. And then they've come back this year and found a way to t- close out the tight games. So yep. massive for them. Which is huge. Warriors, for me... Complete flip. They're underachievers just perennially through their culture and through their demeanour and through their actions and through everything in that club. For me, they weren't as good against the Titans. I thought the Titans... If you throw Ash Taylor in there, it's probably a very, very close game. Uh, which... For me, tells me that, that the Warriors probably weren't as good as they were week one. But the good thing again for them is they won. Yeah, two they wins, and you know they're they're perennial slow starters. So for them, that's an excellent thing, and we can only judge judge them on what they've done so far. And so far, they're two and zero. So. Underachievers, very easy for me. Parramatta and the Sharks, and yeah. more particularly the Sharks. I think I'm not going to say so much underachieve like they. I think they haven't decided yet on their positions, and I think that's going to hurt them because they need to make a decision fairly soon. I still think that Moylan needs to be the fullback. I think yep. that's the best position for him creatively. Other people are getting excited over the one cutout pass he's through the other night for a try, but he's better at the back on those sweep lines with the forward pack going forward. Hodkinson and Townsend, are they a bit similar in the halves? Yes, they are, but you'll have plenty of direction both sides of the field. Two good kicking games. You bring in another guy who can goal kick besides Townsend if need be. I think... For them moving forward, they can't resh- keep reshuffling the deck. It's just going to keep hurting them. Yeah. So for me, that's more their issue. The Eels, on the other hand, my God, 14-0 up week one, looking like absolute world beaters. Crumble in the second half. You look at the sin bin, the heat, the lack of ball, and you go, okay, that's a bad loss, but they'll bounce back. But to turn up on the weekend and get beat 54-0, and people use the heat as an excuse in their warm-up, well, Manly went through the same circumstances. No, so 54-0, there is no excuse. I think that game was decided in the first 10. In the first, I think, 12 minutes, they had one set parameter. Like that, they just Still got blown no off excuse the yeah, no, no, no. 54-0, well, second round. Yeah, I know that. But the game was over after 12 minutes. Yeah. It was 12-0 and it's they just could never, ever... Anything they tried didn't click. It was just one of those days. So, uh, for me, Parramatta just got to flush that, get on with it. Well, huge they're, they're week. A good side. But for me, and, you know, you and Gossip got into me a little bit two years ago when I said that their front row is rubbish... I, Tim didn't get in there. I agree with you. We said yeah. last year. Well, you guys were laughing and sort of going, no, oh, "That's no, a bit no, harsh." No, but no, 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 but you no, were. no, 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 that's not harsh. They're terrible. No, for me, I, that's the glaring hole. Don't dare that's say that I like hole. that front row. Men are no, I didn't terrible. say you liked it, but you guys were laughing, saying it was a bit harsh. So, 
for me, I, I'm brutally honest, and that front row... Their middles are poor. That front row isn't good enough to win a comp. No, and we said that last year. We were surprised they made the top four. But so for me, you look exposed. at someone like um, Kalepi Tanganoa, who was playing for Manly, who was at Parramatta, who was under Alvaro and Manor, and they decided to let, let go. Yeah, but he's been to two clubs in I between. Don't care. He's better than those two. I know, but at he's the time he wasn't. He got a big deal. No, he I, went I, off I the disagree. Rail. He went I to disagree. the Cowboys, he went to Manly, and he was playing He badly. was on fire. He was a. He just never, ever got an opportunity. They kept sticking with old forwards and the same old... But he didn't get an opportunity at the Cowboys either. So, he, obviously, something went wrong because two clubs didn't let him go. get an opportunity at the Cowboys. Look at their middles. Compared if they to had enough injuries, he still couldn't get a run. Nah, that's rubbish. So, it's taken he, a couple uh, of years for him to get he's back He's one track. that got away from Parramatta and one they should have kept because he's better than what they've got. Well, I think Ricky Stewart was out there at that time, gave him the debut, gave him too much money, and it's the same thing we see with a lot of young players. They go off track. It's taken a couple of years to correct it, and now he's obviously playing for pennies. So, he obviously is ripping it, and he's had a big off-season. He looks outstanding, but... I don't see that so as a miss at the Manor time. and Alvaro. Uh, They're terrible. Bo Scott as well. He's, he's another one that well, looks he like he's, he's aged 10 years in one year. So well, He didn't even play on the weekend, but yeah, they're struggling. Well, but we're talking about the first two rounds. But he was he was ordering the first round. I think he was on there for 25 minutes, and he looked slow. Well, these two teams are going to play each other this weekend. So someone's going to be 0-3, and, and it's not a very good start to the season, that's for sure. Well, it's going to be hard to come back from that. But that's our set of six. And before we jump into our pair rankings, a big thank you, as I said before, to the sponsors of the show, Penrith Solar Centre. They say... Defence is the best offence, so what defence do you have in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? PSC is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC is devoted to giving you the control of your power bills back. Let the sun work for your home and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs. It may be the difference between good to great seats while watching your colours in the 2018 Grand Final. Contact the team at Penrith Solar Centre today, 1800 20 2930, to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. Website is www.penrithsolar.com.au. Thanks to Jake and the boys there. We said that before, Blocks. You've got one of those. I work in the energy industry. Great investment. Pays itself off in three to four years. So that's yep. uh, obviously a bit of a positive. So. And we just got a bit of background play there while Broxhead's doing some video of the junior football, mate. What are you looking at? Oh, just the opposition on the weekend. There you go. So jumping back in there, Penrith Solis. Someone's got to do it, my friend. Yeah, well, trying to multitask here. Nepean Boltmaster is the other one there. Nepean Boltmaster, they're your complete fastening system supplier. Their main office is located at Penrith. They also have one at Seven Hills, and they've got plenty of room and warehouse. They boast the largest range associated products, not only in the region, but throughout the state. There's a lot more to the Boltmaster than just fasteners, though. You'll also find a range of industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand-cutting tools, lifting and materials, handling products, safety and cleaning products, points and general hardware items as well. Nepean Boltmaster, they're at the total need sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineering, and uh, all associated industry segments. So get onto them, www.nepbolt.com.au, Nepean Boltmaster, for all your trades there. Go see Woz and the boys. And Poker Deluxe, if you're a football club out there looking for a fundraiser, look no further than Poker Deluxe. They are going to help you and your sports team with fundraising ideas, they have over 10 years' experience in the industry. Paul and Adam, they are passionate about what they do and they're committed to raise much-needed funds for your club. Their fundraisers come with a whopping $1,000 profit guarantee as a minimum. They also provide equipment, hosts to run the night, and over $2,000 worth of prizes to be won. It's a no-brainer. If you're on the committee involved with a local football club or any sports team, have a chat to the boys at pokerdeluxe.com and see how they can guarantee your club $1,000 in profit. So far, they've raised over $1.5 million to sporting clubs around Australia, so when you're thinking about a fundraiser, think 
no further. www.pokerdeluxe.com.au. Thanks to the boys, Paul and Adam there. And obviously the Pro Sports Syndicate. Give them a bit more of a plug later on when we go through some of their bets and lines and odds from the weekend box head to do with our tipping and uh, betting segment. But obviously they've came on board. They've taken on the charity bet for this year, which unfortunately has burned badly the first two weeks. But the Pro Sports Syndicate, if you're looking uh, to have a bet and you're a serious punter, get onto their package there. They offer a discount monthly for our members. We've got a link we'll post up on the page, 99 for your first month. If you don't get a winning percentage off those tips, you get the next month for free. So the Pro Sports Syndicate, a big thank you goes to them. Power rankings, mate. What do you got this week? Well, let's go. You go first. Well, number one, I haven't changed. And again, we said this last few weeks, we don't go purely off results. We go off what we think. I've still got Melbourne at number one. I think that's a blip on the radar. Um, you know, this week, obviously, playing against Cowboys is going to be a hard one, but I still think they're going to be up right up there. Yeah, I've got the Storm number one. Hard to sort of put anyone ahead of them, but yeah, I've got Melbourne at number one. Number two, I didn't budge on the Cowboys either. While disappointed on the weekend, the big thing I took out of it is that Michael Morgan, to me, at the back end of last year, was the best player in the competition. And he's not playing right now. And looking at Thurston, he's lost a step. He's handling the ball way too much. And when Morgan comes back, I think they're going to have the balance they so desperately need. I've got the Roosters at two. I like what I saw out of them. First week, they were a little bit scrappy, but that form looks okay, considering that Melbourne also got beat by the Tigers. I think they're going to take some time to uh, get their combinations in order, but they're going to be a difficult team to beat at the end of the year. Well, number three for me is the Dragons. Another impressive win. They found a different way to win in difficult conditions. The halves are only going to get better. Dufty's still blending in with that spine, and their yardage work from the outside backs and the forward pack is outstanding. Yeah, the Cowboys at three for reasons, as you've already discussed. Yep, Penrith, I've got them at four. They found another way to win. I'm not still completely sold on the way things are going, but Nathan Cleary's outstanding. I think Maloney's got a lot to learn. The forward pack's been... A bit better, but yeah, two results I didn't expect them to get this early on, so I've got them at four. I've got the Dragons. Um, yeah, you've, you've outlined those reasons. That's probably a game that they... A game that I'm still working out how they won it because they had a lot of things, had to defend a lot of possession, but they were just good enough to uh, good enough to get the result on Thursday night in difficult circumstances against a desperate Sharks team, and I like what I'm seeing from their forward pack and their halves. Yep. Uh, number five, I've got the Warriors. The Warriors, for me, the first two weeks have been fairly impressive. The weekend score, I think, flooded the Titans, to be honest. I thought they scrambled and they played well, and obviously missing Taylor hurt them, but I honestly think the Warriors could have scored four or five more tries. I think they just got a bit pass-happy and offload-happy, but the balance in that side right now between completions and ad-lib football and the pressure that Green has taken off those halves uh, has been outstanding. Yeah, have got the, uh, the Panthers at six. Again, they've been down... Five. Uh, five. Sorry, I've got the Warriors. I've got the Warriors at five, yep. All right. Number six, you got the Panthers? I've got the Panthers at six. Again, they've been down 14-0 in both games and I'm not overly convinced, but uh, you got to win them and they've won them. Yeah, well, I've got the Roosters at six. I know Kiri coming back this week made a big difference, but I still wasn't overly impressed. I thought there was a bit of luck involved with one of their first tries. I know it's going to take a bit of time for those guys to click. And you hate the Roosters. Also, the middles. Um, the fact that Rhea Hargraves and Napa were better this week, that I, I thought they were much, much better, but I'm still not completely sold that their middle's going to do the job every single week. But Luke Keary, what a difference he makes. Mm. Number seven. Tigers. Yep. I can't fault them. They're beaten. Well, it's pretty hard to leave them out, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I can't leave them out. And I've no. got them like you do. They've punched up the first two weeks. They've knocked off probably the two highest-rated teams in the competition besides the Cowboys. So that's yep. got to be given some respect. Absolutely. Uh, the last spot for me was between Manly and Newcastle. Yep. I know Newcastle have found a way to win their two games, but I went with Manly because, honestly, week one, I thought they did themselves out of that game by making 17 errors, and I thought their middle was pretty good, but on the well, weekend, they were just ruthless. I'm not sure how you, leave, how you put... 
Manly above the Knights, considering well, it was one point in golden point. So um, I've gone the Knights and I've got Manly at nine. So yeah, oh. you've gone the other way. You'd have uh, Newcastle at nine. So, so yeah, I think yeah. they're the clear nine at the moment. Um, the others, obviously, we've, we've spoken about the teams that haven't won a game. Yep, Raiders are pretty much given away to. Uh, oh, Parramatta terrible. have been terrible. Sharks, they're probably they're probably stiff to be uh, stiff to have not won a game, but they've had two difficult oppositions. So. And the Titans, Titans for me, they, they look the obvious wooden spooners at the moment. But uh, I think the, the Bulldogs may well, be the there Bulldogs, with them, yeah, depending the on uh, roster. And a lot of people are calling for changes in depth. They don't have the depth to make changes. Yeah. And people last week were asking about the bench on the show. What else can you put on your bench when you've still got salary cap issues? There's still some deals there, like a Tolman, et cetera, the Morrises, Eastwood, that they have to wait till the end of this year to get rid of. So I think the bigger thing for them is what they do buying-wise this year, bringing players in when the money gets freed up. Yeah, and the, so. uh, the other one would be the Broncos, but we've seen one sort of good performance from them and another one that, well, wasn't so good, was it? So yeah, it's well, hard to get a read on them. Don't want to play too much into that one right now, but there you go. You've got uh, our set of six, the power rankings, and obviously I plugged all our sponsors out there. We'll review the games from the weekend and punch through these. The first one, obviously the Dragons versus the Sharks, 2016, and... Uh, early on, Cronulla completely dominated. They obviously had the wind, but they were rolling downfield. Middles were doing a really, really good job. Um, they had repeat sets. They had completions. They were really, really on top of things. But, uh, you know, that short side play, they pulled themselves up to 14-0. I kind of felt, even though that the Dragons were conceding, that they were still able to roll out of yardage. Just kind of felt that, like they couldn't do too much as far as the fifth tackle options with the wind. But at halftime, when they jagged that late try, and what a try it was by Nene McDonald. A man that big shouldn't be able to contort that way. Uh, I thought that was a very, very positive sign. It was. When they were going to get the win back in the second half. Widop should have bloody passed it, not kicked it. But anyway, yeah, it was a play that they needed. I thought that Widop kicked on another occasion down that left-hand side. He put a grubber in where he should have passed yeah. the NA as well. So he got a little bit kick-happy, particularly with the wind. It's not what you want to be doing. Give him a chance. He's a big winger. And he proved that even despite that difficult kick, he still managed to score a try. So yeah, uh, it, you're right. It was a, it was a half... That I I got to half time and I thought it was a good scoreline for the Dragons, not for the Sharks. Sharks probably that try gave the advantage to Cronulla. Ah, uh, sorry, to the Dragons gave the momentum to the Dragons heading into the second half yeah. for sure. Probably it was more impressive to me. And you don't usually see this completions and penalties. They kept it clean, twenty one of twenty two. I thought, okay, if they can get to the second half and do this, which the Sharks struggle with, yeah, they should be able to close no, this out. They didn't, but they went back straight to old habits and they yeah. died hard. Three from nine at one point, ill discipline. Yeah. Um, they just set themselves on fire. And the critical thing is errors in yardage. They did the same thing they did the week before. Every time they'll come out of the yardage, yeah. play one or two, they spilt the football, they gave plenty of opportunities, the possession swung. Um, St. George obviously pressing. They found a way straight away to get themselves back into the game. And, uh, you know, they came down to that point at the end there where the sin bin happened when it got to 16 all. And in that period, Cronulla were able to do nothing with it because that ill discipline we spoke of chewed up about eight minutes. There was about four errors and two penalty goals that almost wiped out the whole time. If you come out of a sin-binning period and a team's got six points off you or four points, whatever it was, I think all three penalty goals came there, you've just got to be looking and thinking, what the hell have we done wrong? And I think it was all summed up when Shane Flanagan stormed off and the camera got near him in the tunnel at the end of the game. I thought that was ordinary. I thought it was ordinary as well, but it was just a normal kind of second half. Not so much a second half, it was just a normal thing that we've come to expect, errors and discipline. And when they control those things, they're outstanding. They show that in the first half. But the second half... The sin binning, a lot of things still went their way and gave them chances to close that game out. They couldn't do it. Yeah, they just couldn't do it. Valentine Holmes needs to wake up. Some of the carries, uh, the drop ball by him. Aaron Gray had a couple of drops as well. I thought they were both pretty ordinary. If Holmes is going to bitch and moan about being a fullback, 
he's getting paid still like a fullback. Do your job as a winger. You're a winger for Australia. You're a winger for Queensland. You're playing in a good side. Just do whatever job you're assigned. You know, uh, I thought the two middles, Pryor and Fafita, were quite good. But um, yeah, I think Townsend as well are still underappreciated. I think Townsend's not a bad football, but I don't think Moylan's a six. I think he needs to go back to one for his own benefit. He had a few little flashes there, but I still don't like him playing in that spot. No, it's it's very very clear to me that he's not a he's not a five eight. It was very very clear to both of us last year at Penrith that he wasn't a five eight. So, but Cronulla, this is the five you want to play with. You think that Moylan's going to be better than Maloney? Maloney's an Origin kangaroo premiership winner on multiple teams in the five eight position. Five eights are a diamond dozen, and you let him walk out the door for someone who is not a proven six, and this is what you get. Yep, I'm not going to argue that point. I still think the balance needs to be found out quicker for that side as far as those positions. But, I mean, how do, you, how do you get balance when you've got these players that overlap in terms of positions and you're trying to get the, I guess, the mixture and the flow of your side right? And Shane Flanagan's handcuffed himself for this situation. He's going to have to find a way out of it now. You can't keep chopping and changing every week. That's the biggest issue. One week it's this, one week it's that. Oh, they'll share this role. Oh, no, wait, he'll do this. It's just... Get back to what you've got. You've got two decent number sevens with good kicking games who are both defensively well. You'll have a real steady run side. You'll have a six at the back who's the best of the options to ball play on your sweeps. I like Braley. I think Braley's done a pretty good job the first two weeks, and he looks like he's put a bit of size on. So for me, he looks like a very good long-term option, looking a lot better, like I said, physically especially. Um, But they're just going to have to adjust to the tools they've got. If you want to get Dugan involved, you get him involved on kick returns. You don't want him ball playing, obviously, inside 20. If they want to share that role between... Moylan and Dugan in that sense get him back for kick returns instead because Moylan doesn't do that I've got no problem with that mm. but in good ball similar to what the Roosters did with Minicello and Sheck during that transition period I'd probably have Dugan back on kick return I'd have Moylan when it comes to good ball playing at fullback yeah I can't argue I, what they're doing at the moment isn't working Moylan's got to go back to one for me nah. Dugan's got to play in the centres and well, on the Dragon side, I think let's give them a round. I thought Nene McDonald was outstanding. Massive medicine yardage, that outstanding try. They rolled downfield. You and Aiken's also you know, one. That, that edge yeah. in particular, they, they, were very, they were super strong. You and Aiken, Hunt and Woodop looking pretty impressive together again, and that's only going to get better with time. The forward pack, as you come to expect, Graham looks revived playing on that side. Vaughn, Frizzell. Thought Tabellan had a quieter night than usual. Didn't have as much football, but Leeson Armia. Leeson Armia was just throwing people on the floor, left, right, and centre. Yeah. Didn't uh, Jason Nightingale have a gettable night? Oh. He had a terrible Everything night, didn't he? Everything touched turned to poo. But uh, in the end, they're the games you want to win, and they found a way to win it. So uh, very impressive by them. And Cronulla back to the drawing board in a tough game this week. And I'll tell you what, a couple of the issues from the end of last year, Andrew Fafita, at critical moments in the game, made the error again that cost... Crick back in, yeah. Yeah, just at critical moments, you're an origin rep player. As a whole, though, they, they do it as a side. They're prone to errors and penalties. Discipline is not a strong bigger, point. stronger, higher-paid, experienced players shouldn't be the ones making the errors. No. Well, Broncos-Cowboys is the second game we've got, and the Broncos bounce back in a big way after everybody shot them down. Week 1, 24-20 over the Cowboys. It was a bad start, though. They were trying very, very hard. Uh early on to show some intent and get really stuck in, but back-to-back penalties and points be given away. Then a couple of errors in yardage coming out. The Cowboys at 8-0, they were controlling things and they were rolling nicely, but I still felt they should have got more out of it for the amount of ball they had. But that comes back to the point I was making about Thurston. I thought he handled way too much ball. He doesn't have that spring in his step like he usually does. And for a side that has such big middles, I think there's too many two passes, two forwards. As a forward, I just want to get it wide off the ruck, push in pairs and get a quick play of the ball. There was way too much double handling by the Cowboys and I wasn't a fan of it. Yep. Um, I'd but, agree with that. I agree with that. Well, they started, it was 8-0 after eight minutes. and The turning point was that shot from Kahu, why he took himself out and, you know, he's going to be in trouble for eight to 12 weeks, it looks like, with a broken jaw. 
that error there just completely flipped the game. All of a sudden, the Broncos, for the next 15 minutes, they had the ball 75-25. Yeah. The split was ridiculous. And yeah. Andrew McCulloch starting, it was absolute class. And they just looked at it, planned on it, and looked like they just were narrowing the field simply to that channel 5, 10 metres either side of the ruck. All they were doing was punching in there. Tevita Pengai was absolutely next-worldly. He was ruthless. McCulloch's manipulation, they really isolated Matt Scott in particular. And coming back from an ACL, you'd expect that he'd be struggling a little bit laterally, but also for a guy who's played an absolute ton of football, he got exposed badly. Well, he just... He looked like that ACL injury's played a pretty big toll on him, mm. on his body. And, you know, I'm not going to put him in the class of the guys at the Eels that look, are looking old, but... And it's only one game, whereas I think the guys at the Eels have probably been doing that for a long period of time. But yeah, hopefully that's not now the standard for Matt Scott, because if that's the case, he should... Not look at retiring, no. but the retirement is is near, th- and that's sad for me because he's probably my favourite prop. You know that, like I've defended, him. I've defended him on the podcast yeah. multiple times. I I love him, but that sign for me, that that game for me, really, it didn't look good. I think the scarier point is, and knowing this from having an ACL, he was almost ready for the grand final and he left it. So he's had extra time to recover. He's had a full pre-season unrestricted, and his lateral movement still doesn't look that great. And he was found out in more than one of those tries and in a lot of that ruck play where they got torn apart. Milford and Nikarima stuck to their strengths. Milford in particular, when he's running the football, he is absolutely outstanding. He absolutely carved them to pieces. Nikarima also looked good, but uh, just a lot of things flowed from that. The middle getting cut up and McCulloch's manipulation. Hampton letting that bomb go, got no idea what he was doing. That was that, that, that was that's a, a huge moment. And then Opachak on that shift play where they go into the corner and all of a sudden, 18-8 at halftime, you're just scratching your head going, what the hell has just happened? They've just all of a sudden flicked this switch and they've just ruthlessly dismantled their middle and made those big boys gas out. Yeah. Um, the bench that usually comes on and does a really, really good job, they got gas in that period as well, which hurt the Cowboys. And I thought they felt that early in the second half again. And even when they got some football, I was still really unimpressed with all the double handling and Thurston feeling like he needed to touch the ball so much. As a forward, and I said again, two passing men of the line, you're getting me killed. When I'm getting it, I'm getting it flat. There's no momentum. There was way too much two-passing going on left, right, left, right. If you're going to go lateral, you need quick play the balls first. So um, the Broncos held them out quite easily. But pinned inside their 20, the Broncos started to absolutely pick them apart again. And then later on, what else would you come to expect? The Cowboys were coming for them. They were coming for them. Well, they they got them. They got them, but they were saved by the goalposts, the football gods. So interesting. Interesting game. It was a great game. Another great derby. I really enjoyed it. It ebbed and flowed. At 8-0, I thought the Cowboys were home. Brisbane, what character? Can't, I can't fault their character. Yeah, they're outstanding. Uh, and the effort was was outstanding. There's still those issues there with their halves. McCulloch looked great. Their middles, nah, I don't know, not, not convinced. So I am by Pengai. Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about as a pack as a whole. Yeah. They're not the Brisbane pack that we've become accustomed to seeing be so dominant year after year after year. They're not that anymore. No. Halves, they don't look like it anymore. Darius Boyd, I'm still not convinced he's 100% fit. His effort was great, though. I thought he led in that game well. Opacek was really good he considering was good. he came in as well. But... Yeah, but the Cowboys, I wouldn't lose any heart out of that. They're missing Michael Morgan, something chronic. They need him. Something back. chronic. And mm. they, they, they should have won the game. Or not should have won the game. They were over the line. They had a chance to win the game. And yep. as a coach, that's all you can ask for. And Paul Green will take uh, take a lot of positives out of that. And they'll move on. They've got Melbourne this week. So yeah. well, again, um, they played a good testimonial a couple of weeks ago, which was really close. So I expect it to be a, a, a good game. And it's a grand final rematch. So Panaro Jr. have been waiting for this explosion to happen. And it happened in a big way on the weekend. Showed the potential of why he got into 
16s, 18s, New South Wales, Australian kangaroo jerseys multiple times. If he leads up to this potential this year, dynamic, powerful footwork, he's the one who's going to lead that pack and also should turn into somebody who's pushing for reps. And I think I read today somewhere... How old is he? He's only 22, I think. There you go. This this comes back to that argument of, you know, when you've got 18-year-old middles... 22, 23. They yeah. need, they need of years time off the to develop. And this is why I think there's a, you know, we're going to go into a whole different conversation here and we're not, but the the importance of having strong reserve grades yeah. to develop those middles like Pungai Jr. Yeah. Because he's now, and SES is probably the other one that's really shot through, that's playing really, really good footy, that have taken a couple of years in grade to really develop into good middles. So you've got to be patient with him. Yeah, and probably the sad moment for me, he made that, tackle that hit Bolton into the post but the sad moment again and the icing on the cake was James Roberts who looked so deadly all night finding Matt Scott in the middle of the field and just turning him inside out and like you I was kind of sad looking at him on replay because he absolutely put him on skates and burned him and Pangai Jr. beat him earlier in the night and they got him so many times for the ruck so like you said Morgan is the big piece coming back this week that's going to help him out massive you don't make a grand final by a fluke and he did it without Thurston and as much as people don't want to admit at this point in time Thurston needs Morgan Morgan yep. is now the number one man at the Cowboys. There's no doubt about he that. He is, yeah. Good win by the Broncos moving forward. We'll see what happens. Roosters, Dogs, 30-12. Um, the Dogs' line speed for me, above anything else, is awful. I and mean, a lot of people, I don't know, I didn't read the comments on it, may have been surprised yesterday, Michael Innes in particular, saying that they made a huge mistake letting go of their spiritual leaders, and in particular Graham, and have wasted $800,000 on Aaron Woods, which we're probably not going to disagree with either. But between him and Clemmer, my bigger issue, not only the line speed, we've said this a million times, for a front row to me, I don't think he dominates tackles. I don't think he wins rucks, all these bits and pieces. He's just slow and they're lethargic and there's no leg speed between the two of them. And if they're the Australian front row as well as the New South Wales front row, that's my other problem. And that's what I look at. Like, we're looking at this at club level and they're struggling. It all starts with your middles. There's other problems in that side, don't get me wrong. But that's the Australian front row and the New South Wales front row. I just I don't get it then. So we okay, can say that banging, when they're at club the, board, We're banging the drum. We're banging this drum for two years, man. Every, like we've banged people, the drum for longer. People can people can see it. People that are intelligent enough to see it can see it. Look for me. We we sat down. We had coffee with you know your mate Vaughny. What was that? Six weeks ago, and he he gave James Graham a massive rap. Loves Not it. so much in terms of what he does on the field, what he does off the field. His talk, how intelligent he is, the intensity that he brings to trainers. He's lifted everybody. All these little the things around the team that he brings in. And to take that out of a club is going to leave a hole. The fact that they've lost, you know, they've, they've turned over their coaching staff. They've turned Reynolds over their as well was a big piece of that yeah, side. Like, so for, for, for Vaughny to say that, yeah. I sort of walked away and thought, oh, I like the signing. You, you were a little bit 50 50. I'm on, on physicality, not the yeah. person, but and the on age the you're 50 50 on. He's been I, so liked beaten up. I liked it for that reason. I thought that he'd just give them something that they needed because they got a lot of young forwards there. I didn't mind like having that old war horse there. It was I, money. I didn't mind that. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yours was money, and I get that. In three years. That's now you hear about it and you go, well, yeah. he's going to give you as much off the field as he is on the field. But I want so to see him in three years. Is he still going to be there? That's my question. So that's. I'm not, I didn't have a problem with him. He's outstanding. But is he going to hold up? What yeah, he's, what he's that brought well. is already to, worth it. To get him, yeah, to get him, I mean, obviously you've got to, you've got to give something that. to get something. So, yeah, yeah f- and I, I don't want to get sidetracked from the game, but you know, I think he's he's definitely added an element that's now been taken out of the Bulldogs, and there's a huge hole there, Yeah, a huge hole. And on top of that, it goes back to what I said just before. A lot of people last week asking, oh, what about our bench? How do we fix this? How do we fix that? You can't. You don't because have the there's also there been, there. There's also been that kind of bomb left with bad contracts. He's got... 
Tolman, who's locked in for another couple of years, who they can't get rid of right now in big money. Eastwood apparently is on a back end to deal with close to 600, 700,000 this year. He's had heart problems. Yeah. He's not playing to the standard. They've got money tied up that they just can't do anything about. So Dean Pay, everyone's already laying the boot in. I think he's done a pretty good job in a lot of areas early days, but this isn't his side, and it's not going to be his side for at least another 18 months. Um, but the big thing this year, with the two Morrises, they're definitely going to be gone. Eastwood, and if they can get rid of Tolman, we're talking almost $2 million worth of salary cap. Yeah, so it's a coach It's a coach that's got 25% of his, the roster he wants, 25% that he probably doesn't want, and 25, uh, 50% that he's probably happy to deal and with. And all the off-season signings, and again, people don't understand this, they were all little buys from Cup and here, there and other squads. That's just kind of patching things up to see if you can find a But that's on also top, so. on the Bulldogs for holding off on firing Des when they did. And what they, if they got Dean Payne when they re-signed Des around Good Friday or whenever it was last year when there was all the speculation that... They were going to move theirs on. Yeah. They should have just bit the bullet then, and they would have been able to get into the market and move some of these players on that Des was then able to re sign. And, you know, the Bulldogs don't. Well, a couple the Bulldogs of... were looking to move forward with Des, and then they got they get handcuffed to that because all the signings were made when yeah. you suck your coach at the end of the season. Well, a couple of those deals were already locked in, but the bigger issue is they gave them all that power. South's are the same. And you look at South, and you, you think that, yeah, there's probably a few there that Seabold would like to move on or a couple of decisions that he wouldn't have made. But yeah. again, that's what you get when you wait until the end of the year to suck your coach. So yeah. well, here's what it is. Back onto that game uh, and actually get into the game, I guess. I thought Sydney were much better, especially in the middle, as we spoke about. They rolled fairly easily, but it's pretty easy when you're getting 10 metres for free every single time. For me, there's got to be more accountability on those middles. If they are the Australian front row, they should be blowing sides off the park. They should and be killing not. blokes, whacking blokes, getting up there. But, not. Um, I thought, obviously, that first try, the, there was a bit of a lucky try of the knockdown, but I really did like Kiri being back in. He brings the kind of balance and the perfect partner for Cooper Cronk, and I'm willing to say it any day of the week. Cronk is great at steering the ship, guiding things and providing for those around him. Luke Kiri just brings a completely different dynamic. Tedesco will be living in his back pocket, and we saw that the other night. The speed when he supported Tedesco on that breakaway, uh, I thought Friend had a better game, and I liked when Tedesco called for the ball on that short side when they found numbers early on for Ferguson yeah, um, and just isolated the Bulldogs and pulled them apart. But he's the other one for me. I don't know what's got in him this offseason. I don't know whether it was the fact he only took a one-year deal and he's kind of been on this roller coaster of I've changed, I haven't changed. But Blake Ferguson, the first two games, his work, his carries, his intent, he's been outstanding. Yeah, he's up and down like a roller coaster. So I can't work him out. Back end of last year was pretty ordinary, I thought. And then now he started the year in fairly good form. Hopefully he can keep it up. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I took out of this, and you'd probably agree with me, was roosters of old in the style of when Isaac Liu got put in the bin, five sets on their line in a row, they gave away zero points. That was the more impressive thing for me rather than just the attack, which is obviously... Going to get better. I thought they did give away a try during that period. No, I think they defended. I think they did in the right right, in the right corner. Maybe right at the end. Scored. I think more. I'm just looking at that moment where there was five sets in a row and they got the footy back and got out of it. But um, that was impressive to me. Uh, Much like a lot of teams, and it's going to be the case all across the NRL because we've never seen so much change. The spines changed. Things have changed. It's going to take time for that to get better. Yeah. Um, Losing. Who they lose? I'm trying to think who bloody got hurt. No, it was bloody Daniel Tupo. Sorry, I've just had a complete brain fade. Him getting injured early on doesn't really help, but they're lucky enough they've kind of got two guys that can reshuffle in Ryan Madison, who has the ability to play in the centres, as well as Orbison, who then followed suit getting really badly cut open by a knee, and Madison having to move out there. But uh, this week, I'm assuming the lineups are out, and I haven't had a look yet, that probably Mitch Orbison or one of those guys will push out there, uh, and or Reese Robinson will come in and make his debut on the wing, who yeah. has played first grade plenty of times before for the Raiders a couple club, of times. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Overall, things were much better. Teddy to Cronk, they were better. 
Forward pack was better. I tell you how to Barry Crocker of a night though. Boy corner. That roll ball penalty, couple of drops, he was dreadful. Yeah. He had a really bad night. On the dog side of things, people freaking out just yet. I think the real positive so far is Mbai to me looks outstanding at fullback. I think he's found his spot. Fitella Mariner looks good on that edge, wanting to play more minutes last year. So there's some good pieces there. I think the biggest thing for you is getting through this year and then just seeing what they do with that free money. But things can't change quickly, uh, and they don't have a lot to reach for. I still want to see Renoff Tormaga get his first grade debut. With what's going on with the middles on the bench, I don't see why you don't start trying some of those guys. I know early on they'd say, oh, well, we're here to win comps, not do this and that. But if you've got anyone in New South Wales Cup, then obviously Matt Foley's been dropped this week for Jeremy Marshall King. Wouldn't surprise me in a couple of weeks when Josh Cleland's back from injury if he gets around the halves as well. I think pay at some point if they keep losing is just going to try everyone they've got there and start figuring out who he wants to keep around. So yeah, it looks a little bit like Sorry, that. Doggies fans. I'm not going to put the pen through them early on, but I find it really, really hard to see much positive happen this year. Yeah. But yeah, and Bayer was good. Um, Jackson's going to be good every week, and I like Mariner. So there is some things to like, but yeah. it is a reboot, and it's going to take at least 18 months, I think. Yeah. Uh, what have we got? The Warriors versus the Titans. 20-8, to eight, the Warriors. They were scrappy, but at the same time, I felt that they were so dangerous. And the fact that they've got a balance this year, when we talked last year about the high completion rates and not doing much with the football to now having that ad-lib football that we've seen of the Warriors of old that we really, really enjoyed mixed in with that. Yeah. Um, the bench has been outstanding. Bunty Afoa scared me a few times almost leaving without the football, but at the same time, the carries from him. And even Pula at your club. I had games where I thought he was good, games where I thought he was bad. The first two showings for the Warriors, he's been outstanding. Yeah. Green, Johnson, like Isaac Luke. Where, where's he? Like, for the last couple of years, I don't know if it's just Corvo or Kurt, like a combination of both and Blake Green coming over. But my God, there's been some impressive stuff early on. And Blake Green, man. Roger Tulvas is chef. Roger Tulvas is chef. He's a freak. I'm excited that he's back in a big way and he's healthy and he's got a springy step and he's obviously got a team around him, in particular Green, who's taken a lot of pressure off him and Johnson and they look so much better when they're on the ball. They're it's getting... a game that I watched and I thought the Titans were never, ever going to win it. I was no. just waiting for the Warriors to win it and they didn't. They played with their food. Uh, but they, they should have blown it open. That's the bigger thing. Yeah. And I thought they blew some opportunities but to But again, the Titans open. scramble well. Like, oh. even, even the Titans had opportunities to score and they, you know, they got... Lost the ball over the line a couple of times. They got denied a couple of times. Yeah, and I thought they were all fair. I I didn't come out of the game thinking that any of the calls were wrong. I thought a couple of them were 50-50, but I was happy with the calls. Uh, I didn't walk away thinking the referees had an influence on the game. Titans had their chances to win. They certainly missed Ash Taylor. Oh, 100%. Uh, But, yeah, it's it's a game the the Warriors probably should have won by more. But, you know, I think they... They've only got themselves to blame oh. for the fact that they didn't win by more, to be fair. 100%. And I think you'd agree with me. It's not that you never have not agreed with me, but my God, I love David Fusitua. He's an outstanding footballer. He's all class. Well, Fusitua, uh, Marmolo, they're just they're they're man child. I think players. They're massive. It's more the polish, though. Like, there's some players using that word. I don't like that word a lot of the time, but class. But Fusitua has a class. He glides the way he goes up in the other way. He's a freak. Yeah. Uh, but they're back three, right? The yardage they get from those guys, Carter. They've got big outside backs. They're fit. Their bench is contributing. Their spine's next level. Green has freed up all those guys. Luke's fitter than he's ever been. And I love the dynamic of Harris on that right edge. Not only is Harris damaging, you have to be accountable when he gets the football. And Johnson gives him plenty of early football because he's got the ability to square up a man, create two-on-ones, and pass as well. So yeah, they're just going to keep getting better. And even out of Blair, I'm... He's been hot and cold the last couple of years. He had one good year at Brisbane, but on the weekend again, he had five or six offloads, and he even looks pretty re-energised in this new setup. It's only two weeks in, but I hope this keeps growing because I've really enjoyed watching them so yeah, far. Yeah, I agree. I, like our criticism has never been that they are 
They don't have the ability. It's the inconsistency. So it's yep. great to see him going well. Your mob was definitely spirited. And the big one for me, and we, we loved him at the Broncos and we said he was going to be good. Jai Arrow was outstanding. Yeah, He played an absolute world beater of a game. And Hipgrave, the psychopath, it was nice to see him back in the fray. Um, obviously, got to get some match fitness and adjust to the NRL. But Jai Arrow playing prop, his game on the weekend was super impressive. And when things get better at that club, I think he's a guy in a couple of years that's going to be pushing for rep honours with Queensland, as he has done through his junior career. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's, he can play an edge, he can play a 13, but yeah, to take that role on the weekend while Jared Wallace is out and he'll be big come back this week, I thought he was the best Titan on the field by country more. Yeah, I agree with that. So super impressed by him. And there's some other little bits and pieces, rain off the bench again, these kind of guys. It's a rebuild up there as well. It's a learning experience, but I'm more disappointed that AJ Brimson, the young kid that made the 20s team of the year, didn't get a shot in the halves. I would have rather see him than Cartwright. No offence to his game. I thought he did his job, went forward, distributed. But if you've got a talent like that sitting there waiting, and again, you're rebuilding and turning things over, is it a baptism of fire? Yes. But if you're old enough, you're good enough, I would have played Brimson. And I'm disappointed they didn't. Yeah. So It's a kid uh, I haven't seen a lot of. You're obviously... I'm a big fan, and he can run the football. Um, and LG has obviously got a point to prove and needed to steer them around, and he needs to because he's off contract this year. But I wanted to see Brimson. I hope we do see him at some point this year again if they lose a half, but they didn't go that way. So. don't lose a half. Good win by the Warriors there. Uh, Souths and Penrith, 18-14. Well, they just found a way again, didn't they? At 14-0 at halftime, I was completely dumbfounded. I thought Cook and Walker looked very dangerous again. Things were rolling quite nicely, and uh, you know that long-distance try early on to Cody Walker was very, very nice. They got the Panthers exposed there, and they really, really struggled in the area that they're usually good in, which is yardage and set starts. Inside 20, they really didn't like rucking the football out, so... Um, get to that point at 14, 14 nil at half time is kind of sitting there going, well, it's going to take a fair bit, but South in the second half just helped them out. They piggybacked them out of yardage. They started to struggle a bit themselves. And our big question coming to the season in particular, I said it myself, is the Burgesses, Nichols, these guys playing in the middle to Tolart need to lay a platform. So Sam and these kind of guys don't have to be in there doing that dirty work because the edges are outstanding. Their halves are good and they've got a decent nine. Yeah. But I still feel like they didn't get enough out of their bench. I didn't like those two. And again, a couple of errors coming out of them at critical times. And I, st- I think that's going to be a problem going forward. That He's kind of lumped with contracts with those two boys as well. And he doesn't have a lot of room to move just yet. Mm. But full credit to Penner from the second half. They got their share of football. The bench had an impact again. Um, you know, they came onto the field. I thought Kikau should have got more minutes. A lot of people love Wanga Blake. And we've had our problems. And I'll say it again. When he's got the football at times, he can be outstanding. But the errors are just unacceptable. He did score that try in the end and got them right on the brink, but it took four errors before that, before he could score that try. Yeah. And I just, at times, he just really frustrates me to no end. The benching of Peachy, I'm taking that. Moras, and they framed it, Juarez back, and he's New Zealand International. I'd take it more as you've signed with the Titans. We're kind of freeze-framing out. And when he came on, Nathan Cleary, who again was outstanding, uh, obviously laid that pass back on the inside to him from that shift play from Farrow, and he scored the winning try and really looked like he let a bit of frustration out, I think, in his celebration. Yeah. Yeah, look, to me, it was a. I tipped South and I thought South would win. I think South gave the game away. Penrith were good, but they were good on the back of the chances that South gifted them in the second half. They just couldn't get out of their own end without getting in their own way, South Sydney. So it was frustrating. But Penrith, I mean, you've got to give them credit. They've come down from, uh, come back from 14 point deficits two weeks in a row. Uh, and it takes a, a strong willed and a strong, well, mentally strong side to do that. So, yeah, two games at home though, uh, and and they're two very very important wins over what I think are going to be strong opposition when you look at the form at the end of the year. So, Penrith have got to be happy with that. 
Is there still a lot of issues they've got to iron out? Yes, but you know they're not alone in that regard. Every oh. team's got issues they need to iron out. Well, the spine. I, I take. I don't take a lot away from either side. I think both sides. That that's probably a fair indication on where both sides are at. I think South are very very close to a win. Penrith have been very very close to two losses. So I, I think it's fair. And, and the results will equal out. Penrith will lose a game or two that they probably deserve to win, and that'll even it out on those games that they, two games so far that they probably deserve to lose. You yeah. know so. Well, I still think they've got a, lot, a lot of improvement because I thought Maloney wasn't impressive again. I thought Peter Wallace was outstanding. Um, Maloney looks like he's feeling his way through, doesn't he? Just yeah. letting Cleary sort of push him around at the moment, letting Wallace push him around. Well, Wallace was very, very good. Yeah, and the two, in. two that I said needed to have a big year and I think have started quite well. Tamiya was better on the weekend and Marion's been good the first two weeks. Yeah. Isaiah Yo. Uh, the one for me, though, Kikau coming on, he, to, I still want him to start or if not when he comes on, I want him playing on an edge. James Fisher-Harris is the one they're playing on an edge who I don't think is an edge. He's too mental, he's crazy, he bashes blokes, he's physical. He doesn't have the polish for me to play on an edge, and he's better playing in the middle. He goes hunting after blokes. He's got that bit of crazy you want out of a bench impact player. So if they're going to play him that way, I don't want him playing in the back row. Yeah. I'd rather Kikau out there deployed there. He's got footwork, he's got size, he's well, got yeah, an offload. He's so much more damaging. With James in the Matt's ball and then with the 20s. and He's the type player for me. He shouldn't be playing that edge. Kikau should be getting more of those minutes. I want yeah, Harris. But his in the history, middle. his history is playing in the back row, so that may be well, the fact. Well, it's easy that in the twenties. He, he wants to play in the back row. I, I'm not. I'm not uh, arguing with you. I'm just saying that. Yeah. It may be the fact that he's not comfortable playing in the middle, or they, you know, they think they're going to get more minutes out of him playing on the edge. I'm not sure. So. Yeah. Well, but his yeah. history is as a as a back rower. Yeah. So. Well, Found a way to win. Good stuff uh, on the south side of things, like you said. Uh, I thought Dwayhe on debut wasn't too bad. Oh, I thought he was good. Uh, he did some good things. But, yeah, first game in grade, he'll be more comfortable this week. And he's still got a couple of weeks, obviously, with Reynolds being out. So uh, things getting felt out there by Seabolt and the south boys. Tigers, Storm, 10-8. What else can you say? The Tigers were absolutely outstanding. And the big thing, I said it last week, and I'll touch on it again. The most impressive thing for me against the Roosters and the Storm is the second efforts in yardage. Isan Masters... Uh, Thompson and Nofaluma coming back in. There is just nothing more sapping to your energy. Good yardage carries, drawn in three or four blokes. A team starts to retreat, then there's an offload. Then you've got to scramble again. Second and third efforts, uh, kick return sets, yardage sets, those offloads and those extra efforts are absolutely outstanding. And the line pressure, I thought their middles bashed a much more classier Melbourne pack and showed them way. The pressure on Croft, he didn't show much composure, made some bad errors and Vunavalu, I don't know what planet he was on the other night, but some of the errors he made were terrible. Benji's kicking game was outstanding. He even had Billy on wobble a few times with some of those torpedoes he was putting up. And they um, they looked arrogant the other night for a long part of that game. One hundred percent. They looked like they even when even with sort of twenty to go, they just looked like they were going to assume they were going to win the game, particularly when uh, the Tigers had a man in the sin bin. So Ben Madalino, I think it was, it got sin binned, and yeah, it just looked as though Melbourne thought they were going to win and. The Tigers just scrapped, man. They the scrapped. Best. They it's, saved so oh. many tries and so many opportunities, and just look at Melbourne are going. Yeah, they saved that one. We'll, we'll get them. No, we'll, oh. we'll get them. And they and they didn't. And for me, it would have been an injustice for the Tigers oh. not to win that game. I was, I was. You know, I got messages as most people do. They take a shot when they get a chance. When Melbourne finally does lose the game, oh, I never do. I, yeah, but yeah. I, I never get dirty about it. I was impressed. And full credit to the Tigers. They deserve. They deserve. If we deserve yeah. that game, I'd be sitting here now as I do every week. People go, oh, you're a bit harsh considering they win. So. We didn't deserve to win that no, game. You didn't. We were terrible. Croft definitely needs to take a look in the mirror and calm down. Some of the tap-ons, and that's under-20s football. And I expect better of someone who's done an apprenticeship in cup as well and played against some men. I thought he was terrible. Sully, yeah. dreadful. 
Um, you know, I just and the middles really, really, really disappointed with the way the middles played the other night. I thought they were pretty bad as well. So uh, overall, just super impressed by the Tigers. But that back three in particular, a lot of people don't underrate yardage work from those guys and offloads to create second efforts and break sides down. Great for your set start, but also just sapping of energy. When you're a forward, you've got in, you think you've solved things, other guys have retreated and the ball comes out and they're getting metres. They've done it the first two weeks against two of the better sides and they've got 20-plus offloads in both games. Yeah. The more impressive thing, again, 9-1 penalty count in the second half, happy to press the envelope, back themselves in, and then laid on. It would have, like I said, it would have been an injustice. And when they went slowly dropped that football, I almost was resigned to the fact on the couch they were going to score. I felt that the, the sporting gods, as we say it sometimes, or sporting karma, there had to be some way they won that game, and they did. Yeah. Uh, for me, Reynolds, if he is healthy, and a lot of people are already talking about it, he doesn't play in the halves when he comes back. Benji stays there with Brooks for now. Reynolds' spot for me is going to be playing at nine. I know Godinay is good, but even if you bring him off the bench as the nine rotation uh, or a 13, just playing loose around the middle of the field, you can't disturb those halves as things are going right now. Yeah, agree. So you've just got to find a way to bring him in off the bench Around a 13 roll, a floating roll, something like that. Yeah, they can, the can cover multiple positions. You've got to keep it how it is. Yeah, I uh, stick with that 100%. Melbourne, back to the drawing board. 16 errors, not good enough. Halves play, not good enough. And the OBs, the drops from Suley in particular, I think he had three or four. And even Adokar dropped a couple of chances. So, yeah. bad all round. Bellamy's going to tear shreds off him in a huge game against the Cowboys this week. Yeah, he wasn't impressed. No. But they'll, they'll bounce back. Isan Masters, um, yeah, big fan. Big fan. Big fan of a lot of their players and their team. They've been outstanding so far. So full credit to uh, Ivan Cleary and the Tigers. Slater going down in his 300th and Bromwich in his 100th milestone game. That's just a huge win. Uh, moving on to the next game. This one I'm not going to give a whole lot to and not because they don't deserve it, but 54-0 Manly against the Parramatta Eels. 60-40 possession for the game. 12 line breaks to one. 21 offloads. 38 missed tackles. 16 errors. They were physically dominated and dismantled and deserved everything they got. And honestly, every single time a Manly player carried the football, they left someone in their wake. And as much as I said it last year sometimes, that they reminded me even that they don't have the... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They have issues at the club. They remind me of a park football side. Because they all look like they're there to play for each other. They're super aggressive and they're just ripping. And on the weekend, they look like they wanted to kill Parramatta. They tore them to pieces. Yeah. And the middles again, Adam Fanua Blake, Marty Tapau outstanding, using those interchanges with Sean Lane, who's come out of his skin and Tanganoa, obviously, on another opportunity at a new club, taken real advantage of had a massive offseason. Their middle rotation absolutely murdered Parramatta. Bodies were left on the ground and their middle was disgusting. Um, Cherry Evans, great to see him on the ball, playing the way that a million-dollar sh- player should be playing. So many touches from him. Croker and first receiver, much, much better. The yardage work, they look like defensively. A couple of years ago, we had some issues on the edges. Our, Brian Kelly got dropped last year. He looks like he solved that, coming in and jamming. Uh, and the, the brothers, saying it every week again, but my God, they're good. Jake Trebojevic, I think, and you could shoot me down here, I don't know, you're the smarter one of us two. I think he could be the smartest forward in football. Well, who, who's smarter than him? 
I'm just saying, like football IQ. Oh, I'm asking he's, you who's smarter than him. Uh, I, I, I don't have him. I don't know much of an. I don't, I don't know if I can bring anyone. James Graham's probably the one oh, that I would say he's smarter. But just than. like I'm not saying physically he's not gifted, but he's not really quick. He's not massive, but tackle technique. He puts numbers around himself. The ball plot, like he's he's got so many tools in his kit. I don't know if there's a smarter forward. He's an exceptional football player. He's a prop. He's a thirteen. He's a six. Like he's got. He's certainly in the, he in the top handful in terms of intelligence, ball playing, and oh, skill. Yeah. He's outstanding. Yeah, he can play in the six. Uh, you can't wrap enough plays for Manly. I know I've highlighted some people that I could leave him out, but it was a complete obliteration. It was embarrassing for Parramatta, but I'm not taking anything away from Manly. That and going was back to, you know, I predicted Manly to run last, and I'll, I'll still stick with that. Not not that I think they're going to run last, but I'll own what I said. Yeah. But for I, I me, for me I, uh, I look at it and I go, they're filling the six void with Trebojevic. He's playing like they a six. Are. Both the brothers so are jumping in. And... For me, I've got to give Trent Barrett a massive rap yeah. in that regard because he's identified that weakness, owned it, and worked out a way to solve it. Yeah. And that's good coaching. That is great coaching. And Jake's so, got that ability. Tom's got that ability. Like his yeah. cutout pass, that f- that wobbler that he throws, it's not a spiral, but just that floating drop pass that Tom Trebojevic threw... And Lockie Croker, I'm going to throw it out. I had big raps on him a couple of years ago. He's had some bad, bad injuries. His talent coming through, he was one of the best. He was a junior kangaroo, and you, you, you don't become one of those by mistake. The issue I had was durability. And I watched him at Mounties last year, and almost every game he was holding his shoulder or he barely got through. Hmm. If he's healthy now and he reaches his full potential and he was better on the weekend, they're going to have a good six on the hands. Yeah. Um, but in particular, the two brothers, like you said, plugging in, compensating there. It's helping Daly Cherry Evans out. But more importantly, when your middles go forward like they have and the yardage work they get from a guy like Tafura and these guys, you're always going to have a good platform to play off. Absolutely. The Eels, I was not impressed by anyone. And terrible. more particular, their middles, as we said last year, were a big reason we left them out of the eight. We were very surprised they pushed into the eight, let alone the top four with a starting front row of Meta and Alvaro. But they were they were annihilated. They were embarrassed. They were destroyed. Uh, Mitchell Moses, two sin bins two weeks in a row, especially disappointing for dissent or back chat. And good on the refs again. I have no problem with that. Taking care of that situation. I don't either. They isolated Bevan French and did a real number on him. I enjoyed that. Like, just all around full credit to Manly for their effort. Yeah, I'd agree, man. I, I, uh, I certainly didn't see it coming. I think Parramatta should be embarrassed at how high the score got and how poor the performance was, regardless of how much ball and how much stuck for Manly. But Manly were exceptional. They were outstanding. They, they were outstanding. So if they can they can play uh, that sort of footy consistently, they're, they're a top eight side easily, Manly. Yeah, I've got no doubt about that either. But I just didn't see it coming. And one thing I wanted to touch on, and you know it kills me, and I know it kills you as well. Yeah. I, I hate long warm-ups, and the report was they mm. did a 40-minute warm-up in that heat before the game. That is just stupid. And I hate it when I was at 20s, 30, 40 minutes, full cut, like... If you're a bench player and you're going to be playing 30, 40 minutes as a middle, then you do that kind of warm-up and burn. Feel like, it's just, well, it's just we're, ridiculous. We're at, we're at the Harold Matz 16s level, and our warm-ups would be the shortest out of anyone in the comp. We have teams, we, we going, have out teams going out 15 minutes before for us. us, and they're, they're out there before you know after we're coming back. So the other thing for me for the Eels, they haven't taken into, into account what they've lost in terms of their yardage game. Now, they're not getting a lot out of their middles, we know that, but they've also lost... Rad Radra, who was very, very good in, in yardage, and then not getting a lot out of their outside backs. Like, I, I just look at Parramatta's issue isn't going to be good ball. Good ball, they're going to, they're going to be good. They look good against Penrith it's last week. It's getting out of their own end with those middles. It's getting out of their own end. They've got a good kicking game. 
it, for me, it's where are you going to generate the metres and the punch in order to get from your trial line to your own 40? Well, the only one right now with a strong carry is Orvar, and they knew he was coming on the weekend. They forced a couple of errors out of him, and the few times he did try and wind up, they still got numbers in and solved it. But he's really yeah. the only real big-bodied OB who's got that ability to kind of punch in yards. French can't do it at the moment. Gutherson's not back yet, and even when he comes in, he's more, you know, he'll get in and do that work, but he's not a big body. Jennings always likes to kind of slide across. Terrapo? Penny Terrapo. He's not on the bench, no. Edwards is back this week. From, Hamstring round three, so he should be back this week. You, well, they're Penny, best. Penny Terrapo, because I like him and I like uh, Sui Matangi. I think they both give him good punch. But then again, if you start them, who's coming off the bench? Like, you, you're just moving the problem. So for yeah. me, I'd have to split Terrapo and Matangi well, and Edwards play one each. Edwards to come back for me as well. Edwards, yeah. And he's just going to get the shit out of his speed. game because he's got leg speed and yeah. he's got a, got a bump got and he power. can get down. Yeah, so... And then, you know, you can, you, can, you can have Alvaro and Amano with someone who's dynamic. I'd be splitting those two because they're just too similar. Evans needs to step up too. He, he came does. over. I, I, I don't rate Evans. You, you see more in Evans than what I do. I, I've, I've seen never, enough. But... I've never seen enough in Evans. I, I, I don't rate him at all. Yeah, well, I've seen enough when he was coming through. But he, on early stages here, obviously, the pack's not doing a good job full stop. But I he struggled games one and two. So. Show me something. Last game is the Newcastle Knights getting another cracker win over the Canberra Raiders, who two weeks in a row have lost by the exact same score. And last year, after losing, I think, eight to ten games by less than a try, have started off the same way with two yeah. games in the same fashion. They're so. the new Warriors. 30-28. I thought Newcastle was better in O this week. Uh, the Roosters' links looked a bit better. Aiden Guerra has made a positive start. And obviously, Connor Watson said it last week. He kind of got trapped with the football. He didn't look quite comfortable. He's, he's a natural runner, too. He's always kind of eyes up, but... I thought he had a better game playing in the halves, but for me, Liam still needs to be out there playing. Yeah. Uh, Lilliman and Heinington, again, I still see that as a patch-up job, and if they do get some real middles, uh, they're going to be a hell of a side. But the Twins, for me, were very, very good. And SASA, he was outstanding. He was. He was brilliant. Outstanding. And so was young Calum Ponga. Oh, he's uh, he's still 19. He's killing it. He's 19. He could play 20s this year. People are going, no, he's not. No, he's still eligible to play 20s. Yeah. And the scary thing, and I said this the other week, if you think he's good now and he's learning and he's going to get bigger... That's the scary part. He hasn't finished growing yet. In two or three years, with that step, that footwork, the goal kicking also impressed me as well. In, in 20s, I thought he was a bit erratic, but he ticks most of the boxes as far as the threat is concerned. But I just think when Liam's out there, you're going to have a better balance as far as ball playing, general play kicking, and threats across the field. Watson coming off the bench at nine, give him plenty of minutes. Push Slade Griffin to 13 for all I care. If you've got to rest Barnett and get him to play 60 or do something else, yeah. be like the Titans do with Pete's and... Uh, you know, I know that's a bit hard because you've got a bureau or someone on the bench and they like to play those smaller guys because they have a lack of front rollers in the club. But I don't know. If Hindington or Lilliman or one of those guys kind of struggles, I'm, I have no issue with dropping one of them to make that situation work. But I just think there's a few small changes they could make to make things a little bit better. But um, they, they kind of struggled a little bit, stopping Boyd. Obviously, Barnett found himself KO for Parley. Those bigger bodies in the middle, they got a bit of yardage get work going on them. Austin was better on the ball but still struggled defensively. But... Uh, end of the day, in the second half there, I kind of worried a little bit for Newcastle when Watson dropped that ball. That was an absolute sitter for a try. He obviously made up for it. Pierce laid on there when he laid that ball on Ficcioni, just exposed the weakness that I've got. And the main issue I'm going to highlight for Canberra every single week is edge defense. It's terrible. Yeah. And people keep asking why. I keep going on about well, like a broken draft. Set it for two years. Slide and hold. It doesn't work. You've got to go forward, cut down time and space hip square, and make a decision on your inside shoulder. If you're sliding sideways and you're turned out, how are you going to stop someone? Your body shape's all wrong, you're off balance, and then you've got a bloke running full steam at you who weighs 100 kilos. Good luck. Yeah, It's not hard. I don't care if you're a first grader. 
And one thing I got to Jared Croker bitching and moaning every single opportunity to the referees and pointing the finger at everyone and just knock it off. Yep. Like, honestly, controller just, controllable, just, which was the yeah. fact that you led again with ten to go, and he threw another game down the road. Oh, uh, it's just they're the new warriors. They're ill-disciplined. They don't defend well. They don't have. I don't know. They don't have a lot of pride in their defensive line. That's for sure. No, you he, can't. You can't concede thirty points. Address that and system. To win. Address that system. Yeah, but it's something that they would have trained all off season on, and they're, they're not going to. And the they're one, the one that I don't get, and again for the last couple of years, in any situation, even if you play slide defense outside of your attacking twenty on your try line, you cannot slide. You cannot turn out, and you cannot hold. And they do. If you stand on your try line, and I'm coming at you with momentum, and we saw it last year with Darius Boyd when he scored that piss weak hat trick. What are you going to do, Brock? If I run straight at you, and you're standing there. I literally well, just have to get the ground. Got is to strip the ball. I have to, all I have to do hope. is get the ground. That's, That's the only hope you've got is to strip the ball. I don't because you're never ever going to win it. Yeah. Uh, I thought Williams was okay again, but he was also involved in one of those misses. Austin, much better on the ball, looked dangerous every time he ran, but again, defensively, they're just defensively full stop. But uh, yeah, I thought Pierce, oh, sorry, Papali, uh, Boyd's little stint wasn't too bad. Jackie White was pretty decent again, but composure and defense, uh, awful. Ponga was exceptional again. I thought Pierce really guided things. And SASA, as we touched on, um, he's made a real bright start at Newcastle. And full credit to him for getting a close win. Yeah. All righty. Getting through all that, we'll jump into some fan questions now. And all the ones on Twitter, I've basically tried to answer via computer to cut down, uh, you know, some of the ones we obviously have on the show and just respond to everybody. So jumping straight in here. John Renahan, need to spread the game. One club has heaps of money and good accountants, but they have poor numbers of supporters. So I guess that's more of a general statement. Aimed at the Roosters, but yeah. Alrighty then, moving on from that one. Daniel D.B. Bennett, the fullback half issues that so many clubs have. Keen to hear your quick spin on best one for teams. So he's got a bunch of different pairs here as far as fullback and half issues. Mate, there's way too many teams at the moment that have new spines. Um, They're all going to have to figure out at some point. Can't go through all those, but um, yeah. As far as fullback issues, Slater Munster's not going to change. Slater's not going to be moving out of his spot there at Melbourne. Uh, on the Parramatta side of things, Gutherson, for me, will move back to fullback when he comes back. Haynes not going to be playing there. He'll stay where he is. Uh, the Brisbane dynamic, they'll stick with the halves they've got, etc. So I don't think there's a whole lot. I think the only one that really stands out for me is obviously Reynolds coming back into the fold at the Tigers, which won't change for the time being now. And at, Par- uh, at the Sharks, man, both agree that Boylan should be playing fullback. Yeah. Yep. Wayne Morrissey, there are always a few early season bolters uh, of the Warriors, Tigers, and Knights who will go the furthest. Brock can add Manly to that if he likes. To what? Bolters for the early season. Warriors, Tigers, and Knights who will go furthest out of those. And Brock can add Manly Warriors, to that. Warriors, Tigers, Knights? I'd say the Warriors. Yeah, I'd say the Warriors. At the moment, and for what I'd say. Why would I add the Seagulls? Well, everyone's obviously jumping on the fact that you gave them the spoon. That's all. Just a bit of tongue in cheek. Well. So plenty of people, plenty of people. Okay, so if you didn't give Manly the spoon, people would have given the Warriors, Tigers, the Tigers, Titans. the Knights. Titans. I gave it to the Tigers, and look at them. They've been in the two top sides. So, so why am I copping so, group? I don't know. Manly supporters just getting angry. That's Manly all. Manly supporters can stick it. Oh, there you go. Angry, angry man. Mihor Maguire. He said, morning, lads, as it is here. Wondering what the thoughts are on the rash of Sinbin so far. Seems to be a marked improvement on the speed this year, especially close to the goal line, and maybe knowing that refs will bin blocks has helped. Uh, maybe even use will start using the red two. Liam Watts has now been sent off more times in the last year than the entire NRL since 2012. There you go. Well, I have no problem with it, and we said earlier on. The penalties, as far as I'm concerned, if they're warranted and it's within the rules, which the play the ball and all these are, fair enough. And inside 20, I love it. If you're going to give away penalties, go to the bin. 
you're going to cost your team. We've been saying as long as the podcast's been on. I know I've been saying five minutes in, Ben's got to come back. It's been so better, so much better punishing teams for that. If you try to stall the game, ruin the quality of the game, it's made it so much better. The attack's been great. I love it. Danos Daniel, early season madness, and it just keeps giving year after year. Parramatta's lost. Was it the coach's fault for warming up too long in the heat? Lol. No, they're fit no. enough. They they they're train in that heat. Like I don't, I, doing a forty minute warm up obviously isn't smart. I wouldn't advise that. Manly but played the same conditions. That, come on, man. No, I said the same thing. Manly were in the same conditions. How about Forget the fact the that you had one set of six in the first twelve minutes? That that might have something to do with it. How about the fact you just didn't turn up physically well, at that's all? Right, exactly. But what apart. I'm saying is, to start the game, you can't give the other team the ball for eleven minutes out of twelve. No, you're not going to win games doing that. No. Jake Humphreys, tell me right now if the Tigers will play finals footy in no. Canada. You think they'll fall? No. no. You can't. They've scored two tries in two weeks. They've yeah. won. I get that. Yep. It's going to get harder. I'm not falling in love with it now. No. Not, not right. Like, you put a gun to my head now, I'm saying no. No, I'll say no as well. But I think I'll be right on the borderline with the two early wins they've got. But, yeah, depth is going to be an issue, I think. Well, two's not 12. You, no, you gotta, with you got to find another well, Last 10. year it took 13. Yeah, well, so there you go. It's going to take 11 more. Sean Field, uh, how do you feel that the standard of coverage for the NRL for a big sport only seems to be one or two decent commentators? Shows like the footy show, Matty John's show, seem to be people trying too hard to be funny and failing. Yeah, I'll, I think the the game is screaming out for a more intelligent conversation and a more intelligent uh, coverage of the of the competition and the professional game. I, there's too many ex-players there. Well, there's a lot of content. Just jobs for the boys. Yeah. Ex-player, I retire, I go into a job. There's a lot of content. Could be covered better. Yeah. But while ever the game is run with the ideology that we just get ex-players in to fill jobs and you know we look after our own, etc., etc. I'm with you. You should be promoting people who are intelligent. That doesn't mean us. Like if there's people more qualified than us out there, or you know if people think that we're intelligent or whatever, like we'd we'd love a crack at it, but and we think that we could do it, but. There's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of opportunities out there. No, and you know, like and, said, and it's it's difficult when you see people that have no zero media experience jump straight into a job because they're an ex player. So look, I, th- I think you're always going to need that side of it. But if you look in the NFL and t- and it will even in the NBA, there's not many ex players that are commentating, and if they are, they've had to go through a real strenuous process in order to get on there. For me, the Matty John stuff is heading more towards what the footy show was. So, you know, all he wanted to do was leave the footy show because he didn't like the fact that it was more like a variety show, yet all of his shows, to me, are moving towards being a variety show. So I'm struggling to watch the Matty John show. I'm struggling to watch Fox League this year, To be, if I'm perfectly honest. I said it last year. I love 360 and I love 100% footy and I love watching the games, but I'm watching a lot of games on mute because I can't handle the commentary well, or I'll listen to it through the radio just because you know, I, I tend to just like someone like the ABC or 2GB who don't peddle their agenda to me too much or don't talk over the game. Like, let, let the game do the talking and you should add something to it, not just talk over the top of it. Well, I said it before and I'll say it again. The best thing I've seen with Matty Jones because he really is a footy mind was when he went on 360 last year. Well, there you go. That situation with yeah. him adding to what they give was outstanding, and I'd like to see him do more of that than right. trying. But to... his show to me is twenty five percent that. It's and him and his seventy five percent of shit. It's him and his pals doing comedy. Basically, it's just yeah. a bit of a giggle and a laugh. So yeah, uh, I'm with you there. Justin Zellers keeps on the Tigers things. Can they keep knocking off Premiership contenders after what they've been doing in the first two weeks? I think early season form okay. again is one of those things. But back half of the year, are they going to be able to maintain it? That's the thing you're looking for. Yeah, well, you're looking for 25 rounds, not two. James, after two rounds, asked for our thoughts on actually refing the 10 metres and the play the ball. And we've already touched on that. No problem with it. It's outstanding. As long as they maintain it and be consistent with it. 
Tynan Jones, Box said, still think Manly will get the spoon. And that's not the only person who's asked that question. Do I still think they'll get the spoon? Yeah. Oh, they could they could get the spoon. Uh, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to fall in love with them. After I'd give one it to win. the dogs or the Titans. I, I, yeah, I think the Titans for me are the one that look like the Spooners, but it's been two rounds. Yeah, it's been two rounds, and Manly got beat by Newcastle last week, and Newcastle could easily be on too. So yeah, look, let's not go off early. And also for everyone sending in messages about who would you pick for the spoon, I'd like to know who you pick for the spoon and how they're going. Because yeah. I bet you a lot of you picked either the Tigers or the Titans or whoever it is. The Tigers have two wins, the Titans have one, and they're on the same amount of wins as what Manly well, are. So. say this every week when someone Look, puts I, it I, I'll hang them out there, but not many of you guys are hanging them out there either. You're very, just very quick to chop people down, which is cool, but I'll, uh, I'll stick by Manly. I, I had them to win the spoon. The issue is still there in the fact that they're missing a 5-8. They still don't have one. The salary cap issue is still there. So let's see how they're going um, at the end of the year. And I'll, I'll own it. I'm owning it now. That was a good performance by Manly on the weekend. If they do that, they'll make the eight. Simple yeah. as that. Tom Rogers. Yeah, I've got a question. Has Cousin Gary come down from his week high on the dingers with Joey Johns? Go the Knights. Thanks for not sticking the knife in for the last three years, lads. It's been refreshing listening to you blokes while everyone else has kicked the club. While we're down, for anyone who looked hard enough, it was easy to see the job Brownie was doing in terms of roster clean out, getting rid of the junk, etc. Agree. Well, no idea what Cousin Gary's doing, but I'm sure he's pretty bloody happy. And if you asked him who his origin team is right now or New Zealand team one to 13, or anyone that is involved Newcastle. with Newcastle for a rep side, he'd pick every one of them like he used to. Bring Jared yeah. Mullen Look, back. for me, just be careful with Newcastle to underrate them to the point that they're overrated. Yeah. Will Marchington, there was only one team, the Cowboys, with the exact same spine as last year. Raiders and Paris seem slightly different so far. A fact that hasn't been talked about as much in the opening rounds as it should. Everyone knows the opening eight rounds are full of upsets, but I think it's the biggest off-season of play movement since the Super League War. What do you think? So my point is, do you think this season will be more chaotic because of a lack of combination? No, I think every season... Well, we touched on it when we previewed all teams, that when you have so much change, it's going to take time. And even for teams that are doing better so far, like a Newcastle with their new spine, like a Dragons with their spine, it's not going to settle straight away. No, the Roosters week one look terrible. You put Kiri back in... They were better on the weekend, but that's still clunky as all hell, and that's going to take time. So I don't think it's rocket science, uh, but you're 100% right. Probably people have neglected the fact that all those changes do have an effect on your team and getting balanced. Agree, yeah. Agree. Zach Provera, did the Roosters have any good kids coming up? Sick of second rowers filling in the centres every time a winger or centre goes down. Well, that's what the salary cap does, pal, unfortunately. But last year in New South Wales Cup, team of the year was Matt Ikevalu. I think he's maybe 21 22 years old, so as far as outside back depth is concerned, if you're making the team the year for New South Wales Cup, that's probably saying you're the next man up. Uh, they've neglected to use him. Is he registered in their top 30 squad for this year? I'm not 100% sure because the websites so far by the NRL haven't clarified that. Most of them have still got 30-plus players up there, which is really annoying when you're trying to figure out who actually is available for selection. Yeah. Bernard Lewis was an option on the wing who could have left Manu and Latrell Mitchell in the centres, which is where they should stay. He blew his ACL. Daniel Tupo's now got a torn pec. So Reese Robinson will most likely be the next man up. But Matt Ikevalu, New South Wales Cup Team of the Year, plays centre, plays wing. He's 21-22. He'd be the other one, but I don't know if he's in your top 30. Uh, Justin Beezer, honestly, with the Raiders' injury list already growing and the draw, can they win more than two games in the first half of the season? So I think Charlie Gubb is going to be out now. Leilua... Is, uh, Can they win more now. than two in the and, first half of the season? Yeah. They should have won two. They already should have won two, but uh, even with those there, and obviously Josh Hodgson missing, like you said, they should have won two games. they got some games coming. I'm sure they'll jag one or two, but 
Um, yeah, they've still named Leilua, I'm pretty sure, this week. So we'll have to see what happens as far as him coming back. And Joe Tapine, after dislocating or breaking his finger, has already been named in the reserves this week. Yeah. So they might be trying to push a couple of those boys straight back in. Uh, Port Ligurios, he's bring up again something we've already touched on about Todd knowing about the most recent lodge uh, and apparent assaults on his ex-girlfriend. Should this mean Todd Green also... Well, hang on a minute. He's covered things up here. Greenberg How was Todd, Berg, uh, Todd Greenberg covered everything up? There was uh, other people there who knew about it. There, It was Karen Murphy, I'm pretty sure, that was uh, on the case that reviewed it and rubber-stamped it. Not Todd Greenberg. Obviously, it needed to go past Greenberg's desk, but there was someone else there doing the legwork. They've all done this. This is what I'm getting at. All the stuff that has been done, there has been plenty, just should have been spoke about or clarified by the NRL and the Broncos at the start. You can for every little thing that comes past your desk. No, uh, but in an issue me, like this, bring it argument. Back. Like, you're just trying to throw someone under the bus. So if Lodge does go, this will have a snowball effect if he's sacked, which should well, be, he, by the way. But then they Lodge knew about it. They knew about the ex-girlfriend. They, that yeah, went past their, stuff. That went, went over the desk. They know about everything. Anything that they didn't know about would obviously bring new evidence to the table and may make them change their decision. But at this point in time, that's not going to happen. Yeah, and he's talking here about Lodge's welfare comes in the equation if they do do that and perhaps self-harm. You don't want to see that also, but Green Turd approved this and it wouldn't be an issue if he didn't approve it, but... Like I said, mate, we've given it too much petrol for the issue as it is. Um, it's been poorly handled all around, so we don't want to keep talking about Matt Lodge. Andrew Comedo, thoughts on Frawley being dropped for Marshall King? Surely you'd axe some of those forwards before him, Tom and Fulala. Well, mate, well, who's going to replace him? Said it before, who's coming in? They've got Jaden Ockenbar, who's a back rower in the, from the under-20s playing cup. They've got Renoff Tormaga, who's been waiting a couple of years to get an opportunity. Offer Hickey Ogden, who they brought over from the Warriors, but... Um, you know, that's basically all they can do. They can roll a few of those guys in, but they've got salary cap issues. They've got some contracts that need to go before they can make some moves. Matt Bishop, can we point out what's going on with Parra? Should be contenders, not pretenders. And obviously a lot of people are on this one. Two rounds in, boys. Relax. It was terrible on the weekend. I'm not going to defend them, but it's early, early doors. The the glaring problem is the middles, but it's been there for a long time. Yeah, Oz, Actimir. Does anyone else get annoyed with the flat forward passes from dummy half? If you actually pay attention to the first pass, it's ridiculous how many are forward, but it just yeah, accepted well, as flat. Maybe the touch judges should start uh, officiating on forward passes from dummy half. It's impossible for the pocket or the the controlling referee to look at that. So it's the touch judge's responsibility, and they should be doing it. Yep, Jimmo Davidson says directives from the refs that they must award a try or no try when they go upstairs. It's the biggest blunder the NRL's ever introduced. Perfect example is Sheck's try on the weekend, the Warriors. Every commentator doing that game agreed. If the ref had awarded a no try, it would have been ruled that way, but it was upheld because there was no conclusive evidence to prove otherwise. He says it's farcical, and he fears that it's brooding a group of referees that are too afraid to make a call. Well, that's not true because they have to make a call. That's the point. Well, they do make a call. They, have to make a call. they do send it up and then it goes into the hands of the bunker. So what happens after that? That's what technology does. Yeah. The game's more highly scrutinised than it has been. People say take the technology away. Well, then you're probably going to have more mistakes. Are you going to live with those when you see the replays no, people later? people complain about them as well. So That's the thing. You're never going to make anyone happy, but, you know, that's uh, a hard one, mate. Chris Lamuda Tolafoe is the Warriors the real deal now? Do they look like the most improved outfit of 2018 with the Wests? Well, it's two, the moment, again, yeah. two rounds. So at the moment. A lot of people freak out and, you know, premiership odds and other things will swing and all this kind of stuff. But two games in, they definitely improved. But let's see it for at least eight to ten weeks. Yeah. 
Matt Cherry, what's your thoughts on South this year? The Burgess Twins seem to be running the footy better. Sam looks good. Cook playing 80 and GI back. Seabold seems to have fixed some major issues we saw last year, but they are 0-2. Can we expect to see them improve or just be another 27-8? Oh, they're going to improve. Well, they're going to improve big time. They've played... Well, that's a game they should have won on the weekend. I had them outside my eight, and I said, again, I'm still not happy with the middles. I know the Twins seem to be carrying the ball better, but the errors don't go away. And laterally and in the middle, you can expose them. They give away silly penalties. Even Sam, for as good as Sammy sometimes, he's got a brain snapping him in a penalty in an error. Um, I still think those two, Tatola, Nichols, these kind of guys, they're patching up their middle for now. That's an area that needs to be addressed. Same Musgrove, I don't know if he's injured right now, but um, that, that's an area that needs to be addressed. I like Murray, Cameron Murray in particular. I like Sam Burgess. Crichton's going to be going. They're going after Felice Cafusi, but to me, they need to get some reinforcements in the middle yep. to tighten that up. Cook, the halves, the OBs, obviously we talked about that in the preseason stuff, those edges with Inglis. Gagai, etc. They look red hot, but the middle is my concern moving forward. Agree. Uh, Dave Crow, oh, sorry, what have we got here? Matt Schultz has brought up Matt Scott and his performance uh, coming back from injury. Will he make Queensland? No way. I wouldn't pick him for Queensland. Not, not right now. And That's not, one game. And the, no, I know that, but even last year and what they have uh, in that side, I, I wouldn't put him back in at this point in his career. Why would they need him right now after they won still? They blood all those players. Uh, he, he's got he to worry. He hasn't retired, I know that. So is he available for selection? We'll see. Well, I don't know. But, Matty, if I'm And him, they're loyal. They'll, if, they'll uh, pick him. Uh, I don't know if they'd bring him back into the fold with the way Wallace and all oh, those guys did a job last let's year. See. Let's see. But if I'm him, I'm focusing on just playing for the Cowboys and hopefully winning a comp in my last season. Mm. David Crowell and other Panthers wins due to fitness, luck, skill, or something else. Cleary looks so composed even when down by 14. Do you think Peachy should be starting or bench? If starting, who does he replace? Well, you're not going to play Peach's him. problem is, is that he's so versatile. And that is He doesn't the really nail down a position. So. He's not going to start when and you've got a $700,000 lock in Trent Merrin. He's not going to play in the back row because they've got some bigger bodies there. He's not going to play prop. Um, you know, his best spot probably is centre. And when Farah is healthy, yes, he is an international centre. I'd start him over Wanga Blake, and I've said that a hundred times, but they love Wanga Blake. Yeah. The rocks and diamonds you get with him, he can, I admit it before, he can be physically outstanding. He can rip out an outstanding try, break four tackles, but he drops the pill four or five times a game, which to me, I'll, I'll get rid of that every day of the week for Tyron Peachy over the Diamonds moments. But you, you've probably known it more than anything. Versatility hurts him. And I think, again, it's a circumstance where he's leaving the club, so he probably will play well, that role for the most And you look year. at who they've let go. They look at Bryce Cartwright. His strength is his versatility. Matt Moylan, versatility. They, none of them really nailed down a position. Apparently, if they've gone the other way now, they're going to get specialists for each position. So, yeah, it, things have been flow. And it's... To answer your first question about, you know, what are their results down to, their results are ultimately down to the fact that they're playing through to the full 80. Like their first half might not be good, but they're giving themselves an opportunity late in the game to come through and, and win the game, and they've done it two weeks in a row. So, if, you know, that's credit to Penrith to be strong enough to hang in and fight and, you know, then come away with the, the result in the end. Yep. Nathan Thompson says, is Jared Hayne cancerous? And I've seen a lot of people the last few days kick Jared Hayne and they've covered him in the preseason. They've given all this. I don't know how you could blame him for the first two rounds when he's out in the centres and he's come back to the club and he's not the figure he was. Obviously, I'm not there every day. But with the figureheads they've got there, the guys they've got in their squad, Brad Arthur in charge in the season they had last year, everyone to me, again, seems like they want to sell papers and point the fingers at this and give this fire that it doesn't deserve. That's my opinion. I don't know what your thoughts are. I don't, it, I don't know. I, I, I don't... I think everyone's just trying to find know. a way, again, to bring up Jared Haynes. Jared Haynes not alone in what's going on at Parramatta. I thought he nah. was okay first week. He well, wasn't as good no second No one was week. good on the week. So, yeah, again, yeah, he so. wasn't as good, but neither was the side. No so. one was good. 
uh, look, we'll be the first to be critical if he deserves the criticism, but at the moment, yeah, I'm not push, the wait, him. push the wait and see button. Uh, Jamie Wesley says, thoughts on a golden point NHL style, which the team that forces golden point, if they lose, they get one point. Or just have a draw. We've said this a million times. We'd rather just have a draw or golden point to me has to get a result because I don't see the point of playing another 10 minutes if someone's not going to win. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And he's also brought up Manly not getting the spoon, so plenty of Manly people out there chipping in. Matteo Grasso, at what point does Corey Norman's party boy rap star image become a problem? I see Norman all over social media making rap video, fashion videos. I wonder how seriously he is as a footballer. You don't see any of the consistent top footballers getting around like he does. He's got to be bad for club culture. Well, Brad Arthur loves the bloke. They all seem to like the bloke. I have no problem with him having an interest outside of football and running a business. Waikiki Tayara or something like that. They sell clothes, him and Isaac John and a few other guys. Is he a bit of a larrikin? Yes, but um, I'm pretty sure a person of Arthur uh, and coaching ability and intelligence, if he had a problem, would have addressed it by now. Yeah. I don't think Corey Norman Does he like going has out? reached his potential. Whether that's playing a factor in it, I don't know. Only he knows that and only the people at the club know that. So, yeah, it's. I guess when you have results like that, these questions start being uh, getting asked, don't they? So the only way to sh- shut people up is for Parramatta to play good footy and Corey Norman's a big part of that. Yep. Ibs Malaz. Uh, is the provider of our next question. He says, do you think NRL teams should start doing what some NFL teams do and create a championship window, e.g. Philly last season, bringing a lot of pieces, knowing they may suffer in years to come, front-load older players' contracts, and they have back-ended deals for younger blokes? It's going to be very difficult to do. Well, we've seen clubs try it before. I think you could look at the Bulldogs and the situation they're in now. They back-end a lot of deals with Des Hasler after they made the grand final in 2012. Yes, they got back to a grand final again in 2014, but it's left them a bit of a mess now. We've seen Manly back-end deals to keep players together, um, and it did pay off for a little bit, then obviously left them in a mess for a couple of years. So it's a bit of a dangerous one there when you start playing with back-ended contracts. The front-loading thing is interesting, though, because they spoke about that under the new CBA and the way contracts work in a team like Newcastle who have got money left this year, been able to load contracts, say, a Ponga or these guys earlier on, which may help them down the track. So, um, yeah, a bit 50-50, but a dangerous one to play with. <clears throat> Ian Stanmore says, curious to hear your thoughts if a trainer calls for the ref to stop play for the injury. Should that be an automatic interchange? Sam McKendry is a top bloke, and you never want to see someone tear the ACL, but he went down first time coming out of their own end with Souths on a seven-tackle set with some momentum, and then to have to wait five minutes during the Panthers... Uh, so they got to catch their breath and stay on the field in line. Sure, if the trainer is stopping player, is uh, the player is injured enough to the point where they need to leave the field. Seems like common sense. Well, he would have left the field, wouldn't he? And he didn't leave the field the first time. He stayed on. <clears throat> okay. But he's saying you should be punished if they're not genuinely five, injured. Was he really down five minutes? Like he played uh, five minutes? I don't know if it was that long. Probably an exact But at the same time, mate, in this modern day and age, 2018, <laughs> player welfare, all those kind of things, you can't overlook these things and just say move. It's a <clears> safe <throat> play issue. Yeah. So Move out of the way. Get off. Like some blokes, you can partially tear your ACL and not even know. Like Greg English finished the game last year with a torn ACL. So pretty clear. Something. Um, and other people have brought it up. With cramps and cuts, for me, you don't stop and stay on the field. If you've got a cut, you go to the blood bin. If you've got a cramp, you stay out and back play. Well, the the simple way to adjudicate on it is if, if he's affecting the play, if he's in the play, yeah, you kill then it. You have to pull it up. But if not, play it on. That's how it used to be. I, <clears> I don't mind how it used to be. Yep, uh, Diego Montoya Lewis. Your thoughts on Joe Stimson? I think he's excellent and deserves a starting spot more than Ryan Hoffman. Well. I liked uh, the small stint I saw last year. This year, obviously, Hoffman coming back. He's a veteran. You know what you're going to get. Um, he's definitely lost some leg speed. We spoke about it while he was at the Warriors box. He doesn't have quite the impact he once did. 
do I think Stimson may take his spot during the year? Maybe. And I think Kenny Bromwich should be in that conversation as well. But for now, he's obviously getting first opportunity, given what he's done for the club. If one of those two guys came in, mate, I wouldn't be surprised. And I do like Stimson from the small bits I have seen. Uh, Brennan Savage, Tom Trebojevic versus Ponga versus Tedesco. So I'm guessing, who would you take? Out of? <clears throat> Ponga, Tedesco or Trebojevic? I'd be happy with any of them. Uh, if I had to pick one, I'd probably go Ponga. Youngest. <clears throat> He's at, going good. Yeah, the, I, I don't know. Like, if I had to sign one right now... I'd say Trebojevic right now. Yeah, and I think he's 21-22. Ponga's only 19. Tedesco is, I think, 24-25. Yeah, I'd go Ponga, Trebojevic, Tedesco if I was ranking them. But if you said to me I can have any of them, I'd take them. Yeah, oh, I'd take every single one of them. But, yeah, I think Tedesco with his injury history uh, would be the one that I'd put at the bottom of the list mainly because of that. I know he's been good for the last year or so, but, again, he's had two bad injuries. So yeah. <clears throat> we'd probably lean towards one of the other two. Aaron Wood, is there a way to fix the Raiders? Does Ricky need to be moved on? And if so, who would you replace him? Well, it's the defense we spoke about a million times. If Ricky was to get fired, who would you hire? They missed the eight this year. He's got to be under some pressure. Yeah, definitely have to be under some pressure. And he's done long-term contracts for all those players saying that's the core group that's going to take him forward. So if you miss finals two years in a row, uh, replacement, well, Michael McGuire, I'm pretty sure he played some first grade down there. He's another one of these guys on the market like Hasley. You'd have to think he would be a guy who uh, might be a possibility to take that job. Neil Henry, go back there. Neil Henry, if they were looking that way. He had some great success with there as well. So he that's did. definitely a possibility. Ben Kirkham, who will be leading the comp at the midway point based on what you've seen so far, asking for a friend with a sports bet account. So, Melbourne. Um, it's, I'm, I'm going to say the Roosters. Yeah, Melbourne, Roosters. They're the one, I think. Uh, it'll probably be one out of the box. Because I think Melbourne and the Cowboys have to play each other twice in that period. I think when I looked at the Roosters draw, they have got to, don't really play anyone right up the top so early. I think they've got one game maybe against Melbourne. But, yeah. Uh, they kind of avoid playing those guys. So I'd probably say the Roosters. <clears throat> Nigel Huntley says, how many times do you see a player run a clear obstruction or a shepherd 50 metres downfield and the referees let it go? Yet if it's a scoring play, the slightest scare of an obstruction and they send it to the bunker. Who can decide what the rule is? Well, again, it's all, again, up to... It's subjective. Yeah, it's interpretation, interpretation, different fans. So. Depends what game you're watching, mate. It's, yeah, it's a hard one there. Uh, Dan's brought up how, about fixing the Raiders and their edge defence. The hold or retreat so often looks like a strategy. Well, it is, mate. And that's why we talk about it all the time. It's not... By mistake, it's by design that they slide to try and get numbers across and the inside men come over as well. But it's no good having numbers if you're in a bad position to make a tackle. And it's NRL-level football. Like, if you turned out, turned sideways, and you're flat-footed, a bloke's going to run straight past you. Yeah. Sean Chan, can you explain the different interchange strategies, the when and why they're made, or is it just as simple as when your best players get tired, take them off, and as soon as they're not tired anymore, get them back on? With the middles, it's there's sports science to it. So they'd have certain minutes... Um, well, they or explain a certain this. amount of kilometres that they get to, heart mm-hmm. rates, there's certain things that people look at. Well, they figure this stuff out, and they showed us this the other year, I think, on Fox, that James Tarmow said with sports science, and Neil Henry talked about me, he, he was there, they figured out that he could go for 55 minutes in a yeah. game, total time. So they might give him 25 yeah, to that, 30. If there were then 10 stoppages that yeah. save 10 minutes, that's very different. So for me, mm-hmm. as a coach, like we, we've got uh, eight as our uh, interchange limit. I have an idea on when I want to get the boys on, but even on the weekend, we scored a try right when we are going to replace some middles, yeah. and I held them and then had them have a carry and come in that set. Extra like four it, minutes or it so. It just stretches you out. Yeah, it was probably two. Stretches me out an extra two minutes. It also covers you if you know if you hold on to them for a little bit longer. It also covers you if someone yeah. else gets injured. And so. it depends on you know your side. We said this before as well. If you've got two hookers, you might make a change within nine. If you're Melbourne, you're not taking Smith off. So you've got the benefit of one to seven being 80-minute players. 
your nine being an 80-minute player, your back row and your lock can all play 80. So realistically, the only two players you're catering for are your two middles. But yeah. they will change for Nuka maybe for 10 minutes or a back row. That's just through luxury. By design, last week I said it, Manly only used two guys on their bench. Yeah. And it was to their benefit because everyone in that side, bar the two front rowers, can play 80 minutes. So they decided to load up on Marty Tapao, Adam Fanua, Blake, Tanganoa, and Lane. And it worked perfectly. Yeah. They pumped the extra changes in. They kept them fresher and they just smashed teams. So, mate, uh, different coaches have different strategies depending on what they're using. If you use two hookers, two middles, depending on how you use your bench or what your side's like, uh, it varies. But the main one that's usually planned out is middles minutes like Brock's saying. That's the main one. Uh, what do we got here? Jack Package, upper chap looked great at centre. Still unsold as Nicarima as a halfback with a legitimate utility. What do you think as the season plays out that Bird later moves to six or Bird to fullback Boyd to six? I think it's Bird. Yeah, he's going to have to come back fit to start with. Well, now that Kahu's out, I think he basically goes to centre over upper chap. Considering the money they've paid, that kind of money I'd want him to be playing six or 13, but I've said before that I don't think he's a half. And the way the 13 plays his day, 80 minutes and working in the middle, it's basically an extra front row with a bigger engine. Yeah. So I don't know if you could play him like an old school 13. Um, if you want a Nicarima to go back and be your bench utility, that's all well and good as well. And Bird's strongest point is probably his running game, not his kicking game. But I'd say Nicarima's probably got a better kicking game than Bird does. Yeah. So I don't really think you can win in many situations there. The big glaring thing is still they don't have a legitimate number seven. And the way they played on Friday worked for them, and they'll probably try to do that in a lot of games, but it's not going to get you to the grand final. It's not. No. Trying to play with two sixes, power game, working the ruck over. Teams are going to compress, tighten up, try to win the middle against them, and Lodge off of Hingawi and those younger forwards aren't going to win that middle every week for their team. So um, it's a bigger problem than just when Jack Bird comes back. Rob Carter, is there anything tactically different the way the Tigers are set up defensively, or is it just a matter of improvement in their mindset and attitude? Well, they're set up defensively poor. The Tigers? Tigers. Sorry. I thought Not you said the Tigers, Raiders. mate. Sorry. I thought, yeah, I thought you said Titans. Uh, no, they scramble well. Their defensive structure is good. They come up inside shoulder. Uh, they get the ball more often than not, which is a good thing. That kills the play. And they just work hard for each other. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty simple thing. You've obviously got to have a structure around what you're doing and you need effort. And But you do need those little technical qualities. Your one-on-one tackle is a huge one. Yeah. And then the structure, as long as everyone's following the structure, whatever system you're trying to employ, You've it's, got a it's going to be pretty effective. Yeah. And I think you'd agree with me being a coach. There's a big difference between... Cleary coming in last year, round six or seven, no preseason, none of the players know him. He had to kind of work his way in. You're inheriting the systems and the structures yeah. that are in. Whereas this off-season, even with a lot of changes, he's had a full preseason to put in his structure for three or four months. So clearly they're going to be better defensively. They finished the year better defensively, but they're a lot better to start the season because they've yeah. had a full preseason with Cleary. So the uh, system is very good. Andrew Wales, more a comment. He wants to see a bit more from Gal this week, looking a bit under par. Well, mate, the long benching him. The longer you go, uh, eventually some things start to naturally lose you a little bit. He's still been a workhorse and his minutes and all those bits and pieces. But I think much like Scott and a lot of those older guys, you just lose a bit in your legs. Leg yeah. speed, lateral, and gal starting to look a bit like that as well. So, um, you know, he's been an absolute war horse, but we'll see how he goes. He didn't have much of a preseason. It's only two games in, so no, I'm not going to judge him just yet. Andrew Locke, if they added another team to the NRL and they had to pick an overseas marquee player from any sport, who would you pick, i.e. linebacker or some USA rugby seventh players? Well, wow, that's a bit random. In his prime, I would have liked to seen Dan Carter or something like that come over and play. But oh, from rugby league, if you're going to get a marquee international player from the Super League, for me to be Callum Watkins. Callum Watkins, a centre to start a club, though. You ask for a marquee international player. Making the reference to NFL. If you're going to do that, if you're going to do that, you'd look at an All Black. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I reckon Sonny Bill Williams, Dan Carter, like or something like that in their prime, or you know. 
Uh, you're bringing up American players or rugby sevens. I wouldn't be touching an NFL player to come over like a no, linebacker or a rugby sevens player. Doesn't translate. Wouldn't be translating too much. But yeah, I'd probably say Dan Carter on his best form and potential early days, as far as talent is concerned, to play in the halves. Richie or McCall. Like. Richie McCall is a back row or something like that. Mm. Um, I've said a million times that I'd like to see Hooper or what's the other bloody bloke's name, Pocock or something like that, come over and play a back row or lock in the NRL. Yeah. Don't think it would happen, but you know, people like that. Robbie Ryan, is it still very uh, early, obviously, but have you guys put a line through anyone yet? I can't see the dogs playing finals football. And I know I said earlier I can't put a line through a team, but early on, and I said it, just depth players they've got to bring in the changes. I I don't know if they can play finals this season. I'm not putting a line through anyone, and I'm also not putting uh, too many ticks against anyone. It's two games. Yeah, I'm with you. And Jamal Samchami on that says, thoughts on Dean plays influence after two rounds, and what's the key to Canterbury getting back to their winning ways? Well... Winning ways, you know, uh, are going to be few and far between. I think this season it's a transition period. I think Dean Pay's had a positive influence. The players seem happy. The club seems better. I think there's bigger issues probably off the field at the moment. Yeah. Listening to Ray Hadley with uh, one of the old blokes at work the last few days with their board. They fired Mortimer for some bloke who got banned for six years yeah. from junior league football. And now they're trying maroon. to... Someone maroon. Yeah, Jabal Maroon or something like that. And they're trying to bring back a guy who was involved in the salary cap scandal originally in 2002. So yeah. uh, for this new ticket that came in and things were supposed to change, it seems like they're bringing in some pretty dodgy figures to try and get on the board right now. So... Um, it's interesting to see what happens there. Well, it's, it comes back to that infighting around who's the, you know, Ray Dib going out. Uh, you're trying to get new people and factions on the board, factions that have been moved on previously. Yeah, it's, it's ugly. McIntyre, uh, there was talk that McIntyre and Dib almost got in the blue. Yeah. Strange. <clears throat> Disappointing. Strange. Uh, particularly when the focus should be on the field. Yep, George Kronos, my Rabbitohs have left me even more heartbroken this week. Am I uh, misinterpreting or is Seabold a bit too relaxed and not phased by the game or the outcome or performance as much as he should be? He just seemed to shrug it off and try to look on the bright side. Are we lacking intensity and drive from our coach because that's what Maguire was criticised for in the end? No way. It's round two. You want him to be panicking now? Nah, it's not time to panic. They've been in both games. Like, the Warriors... Got away from me. Well, the, the try on like, half time was not a try. It was a forward pass. Yeah. And then they went 100 metres and scored the other way. So that's yeah. a 12-point turnaround right there. Yeah. But and again, on the you've, weekend, got to, you've got to be good enough to, you know, cop that and, and win and react the right way. And on the weekend, they're up 14-0. And yeah, they blew it. They blew it. I'd be more disappointed with the weekend than the first week, but I thought they were pretty good in the first week. Yeah. Uh, Zach Maitland, start one, bench one, sack one, Caesar Austin Williams. Well, I start Williams, I'd bench Caesar, and I'd sack Austin at this point. Who were the three? Williams, Austin, Caesar, the three halves for Canberra. Sack one, start one, bench one. I'd start Williams, the way he's playing so far. Ugh. Bench one and get rid of one. I'd be starting uh, Caesar. I'd be sacking Austin and I'd be benching Williams. Yep. Ray Gavin asks how long the Tigers can keep up the defence for. Well, as long as they stick to their structures, they can definitely keep it up. As far as later in the year conceding more injuries, depth, all that kind of stuff, that's obviously going to affect it. But as long as they follow their structure and they're healthy, they'll maintain that defense for until someone can come up with something to expose them. Yeah, David Johns, uh, if this is the top eight going into finals right now, who would be playing in the GF and how much would the Warriors win by? Oh. Uh, silly, silly. Well, if they keep playing like that, they're going to be in the eight. Well, if you're going to go off who's in there right now, I'd say even if Melbourne is at the bottom with one win, I'd say Melbourne or the Dragons. And yeah, maybe. But Steve Mason, why Canberra has a habit of losing close games? Well, mate, we've addressed that a million times. Bad defense, poor attitude, nah, the middles, minutes, the halves, composure, kicking game, etc. There's a lot of stuff they need to go over. But that wraps up all the questions for this week. So jumping in now to the gossip. 
from Mr. Gossip. And let's see what he's got for us this week, Boxer. We'll hopefully have him on in the next week or two, yeah, like you said. Uh, rare occasion this year due to work commitments, but we missed the big fella, so a big shout-out to him. And another win for Papa Gossip with the Knights. Yeah. Good stuff for him. That The first one he's got here, the Eels, apparently, already in negotiations uh, with Wigan prop Ryan Sutton, who is one that many people are looking at over there. I don't see as much of the Super League as you, so I haven't seen him, but well, I know that Canberra... I have seen a lot since the NRL started, to be fair. But... Well, Canberra and the Dragons and a few clubs of Sharks apparently had a talk to him when they were out here, uh, and they're very interested, but the Eels in that very, very early. So they're obviously hitting the panic button a bit early on their front row situation. Like we said, middle's not very impressive. Uh, the Roosters, as usual, that unlimited salary cap, they've commenced talks with Josh Mansour now. So the talk was the Eels were interested as a replacement for Semi-Rad Rara, and then we'd obviously heard that the Bulldogs were a club that he was a fan of growing up. Um, now the Roosters are in, so who's surprised about that? The Roosters are linked to every single player on the market. Yeah. And the last one is Dean Pay. He's keen to lure Caesar back to Belmore to partner for him. And I know for a fact, initially, basically how things went down, he didn't want to leave. They didn't take him seriously. Uh, and then he had offers legitimately from multiple clubs, including the Gold Coast Titans, which is where he went. Should never have left the Titans. And they were filthy that he went to the Titans, but that was their own fault at the time, and they let a good player go. Could that revive his career? I think he'd play better with Foreman than he would with the partners he's got right now, so it's probably not a bad move given the situation at the moment in Canberra. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But that wraps up uh, the little bit of gossip he's got there. Big shout-out to Mr. Gossip, and hopefully have him on in the next week or two. But now on to our tips Boxhead for this round brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate and their offer to any of our listeners. We'll put that up the link. Uh, your first month is $99 instead of the usual $199. And if the tips provided do not give you a profit, you get the next month for free, so on and so forth. If you join up for the yearly package uh, and same deal, you don't profit that year, you get the next year for free. So you can't lose. You can cancel any time. They charge you monthly. If you're a serious punter and you like to have a bet, some of the stuff in these syndicates, you don't have to follow all the tips, obviously, but in particular, uh, the money lines and stuff like that, they usually come in pretty handy. Yeah, so definitely. Looking at uh, the I've first... been following them the first two weeks, so... Yep. Uh, the first game for this week is the Storm versus the Cowboys. And looking at this one, as far as any changes, the Storm have gone to this one unchanged, and Felice Cafusi is still sidelined with a hamstring injury. So Joe Stimson has moved in <clears throat> to start in the back row. Uh, for him and Ryan Hoffman is still there. On the Cowboys side of things, it looks like the man himself, Michael Morgan, is back in, and that is a big in. Uh, and for that reason... Was he going to play? He's going to play. He's been named to start. So I assume with Martin moving back to the bench, play. I get that. But if uh, he's named to start, not in the reserves, I think that's a big chance of him playing. At home in Melbourne, what do you reckon? Storm. Grand final rematch. They're at home. They were poor last week. I expect them to bounce back. Tough one for the Cowboys because they're uh, they're a goalpost away from being two and zero, and if they lose this one, they'll be one one out of three. So, yeah, well, Michael Morgan back, and I wasn't really impressed. Oh, with here us. we go, the reverse jinx. Yep, sure am. I'm yeah. tipping the Cowboys down there, and uh, Mr. Gossett, he is on the Storm as well, and the odds for this one: a dollar sixty-five for Melbourne, two twenty-five for the North Queensland Cowboys. The line is minus three and a half, one to twelve. Storm two ninety-three fifty for the Cowboys, thirteen plus. 350 for the Storm and 550 Cowboys. I say it every week, but these closer games, I'm more 1 to 12 if I'm going to have a bet on one of these two sides. So, yeah. This is a 1 to 12 game for me. Uh, the second game we've got here Dogs Panthers, Friday night, ANZ Stadium. On the Dogs side of things, Matt Frawley has been dropped. Jeremy Marshall King is going to be playing in the halves. Would have expected to see Josh Cleland, who was in the New South Wales Cup team of the year and been talked about, but he's injured currently. New Brown. Uh, he's coming to the bench in a utility role, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some minutes in that nine role as well. 
Aiden Tolman starting at lock, pushing Elliott back to the bench. For the Panthers, um, Moses Laota returns on the bench for McKendry. Kakao's been named to start again, but we always see how that happens, so nothing's really changed there. I'm going with the Panthers. I know they've had to fight back the first two weeks, but I haven't seen enough from the Dogs to convince me they're going to win this game. I'm going to go the upset. I'm going to tip Canterbury, I think. Just the fact that they've, uh, they haven't won a game yet. Penrith have scrapped, uh, scraped away. With two, I'll go the Dogs. I, it's, a, it's a difficult one for me. I just think the Dogs will have more motivation. And... Good luck tipping any any game this time of the year. Yeah, well, I don't disagree, but the outsiders, even though they're at home, two thirty-five. The Panthers, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, are a dollar sixty minus four and a half is the line. One to twelve for the dogs, three sixty-three dollars. Panthers thirteen plus for the dogs, six dollars, three ten for Penrith. Brisbane versus the Tigers, and if you would have brought this up last year, this would have been an easy tip. But this is not an easy game to tip. No, it's not. The West Tigers, uh, Elijah Taylor is out. That hurts because he's been outstanding the first two weeks. But Matt Eisenhuth, who's been great, also takes that starting position. Michael Cheekham comes back onto the bench, uh, and otherwise they are unchanged. So uh, Corey Thompson's still at fullback. Nofaluma holds his spot because Tua Mala Lola here is not back. For Brisbane, Opachak is now starting centre uh, for Jordan Kahu, and Jaden Sua has returned to the bench. Centre Jack Bird is in the extended squad as he looks to return. So... Interesting one there. Who would you be ticking in this one, Brock? Tigers. At Campbelltown, you're on? Yeah, I think there's forecast to be uh, rain as well. So I think that'll play into the, the hands of the West Tigers. I like their defence. I think they'll keep Brisbane... Oh, jeez. If they can keep Brisbane between 12 and 18 points, they're going to be a real chance of winning this game, I think. I think they'll open up their attack a little bit, the Tigers, this week. I think they're going to be aware that they're going to have to score more points than one try a week, which is all they've offered up the last couple. So... I like them up. Brisbane, oh, I can't get a read on Brisbane yet. I think this is probably a game where you're going to get a decent read away from home, difficult conditions against a side that has proved difficult to beat. I mean, if the Roosters and Melbourne can't beat them, they're going to prove uh, difficult for Brisbane. So I'll stick with the Tigers, but again, not much confidence. I'm going to go with the Tigers, but only because I only saw it was in Campbelltown. And usually the games they get there, they don't draw big crowds. But I'd like to think off a 2-0 start in like the West's kind of heartland side of things where they complain about poor football and poor crowds that the Broncos coming there, they'd get down there and watch this game. Yep. And it's the late game on Friday as well, so there's no excuse not to turn up. No, it's um, one that I'm thinking about going to because we've got, we've got training um, over there on Friday night, so I wouldn't mind bouncing out of there and going and having a look, but we'll see how the weather is. Yep, and for the Pro Sports Syndicate, the West Tigers are outsiders at home, 220, so still some value there. The Broncos, $1.68, minus 3.5 is the line. 1 to 12, 345 for the Tigers, 280. The Broncos, 13 plus, 625. Tigers, 345. The Broncos, and Mr. Gossip, he's gone with the Broncos. So uh, he went the Panthers as well. So, so far, a couple of different tips. The next game after that is the Raiders, and they are at home to the Warriors. And uh, again, it's not an easy one to pick, but he's made another reshuffle again. Aiden Caesar this time has been named to start. Does he stick with it? God knows. Williams is his hardest partner. Austin's gone back to the bench. Leilua was named despite the fact they were trying to play it off like he's injured and going to be out. Liam Knight has been named in the 17 for his debut for the Canberra Raiders and first grade. So, uh, oh, Sorry, his club debut. He has played first grade. And Joe Tapine's already back in the reserve. So not sure what's going to happen there. Arthur Hingano also in the extended bench there. So down in Canberra. On the Warriors side of things, Isaiah Papali's out for about six weeks. He has does a knee clean out. Pulu pushes into his starting spot. Parsi joins the bench with Simon Mentoring not being back. I could not tip Canberra from what I've seen so far, especially out of halves. I'm going to be sticking with the Warriors. I'm going to go Canberra. Again, I think 
it's a must-win game for them. They you wouldn't want to go one and three. So I'm going to back more the winning records this week. The motivation behind the winning records. So I've got to try something because my tips were dog shit last week. Yeah, well, you got three. Gossip got four, and I got five. Uh, five and last week. Yeah, the South Penrith game killed me because I had South. So that would have. Probably put us all on four. Well, so. you, you guys also tipped the Raiders. I tipped Newcastle. So. Yeah, that's a game the Raiders should have won as well. So it yeah. could have easily flipped the other way. But, yeah, well, winning go- records, I think. Well, Gossip agrees with you. He's gone with Canberra and the Desperation Stakes at home. And they are a $1.75 favourites thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Two ten for the Warriors. Minus two is the line. One to twelve, three ten Raiders. Three forty Warriors. 13 plus. Three sixty Raiders. Five dollars for the Warriors. South Sydney. Versus Manly, uh, another tough one, seeing as you've got a team who's desperate for a win. It's at ANZ. Their team has got Heimel Hunt replacing Fui Maano, who dislocated his toe on the bench, and yep. that's the only change for them. Inglis has been named to start despite his head knock, so we'll see if he gets through there. No surprise that Manly are unchanged. And actually, to make things worse, bringing up last week with Parramatta and people panicking, their cup side got beat 46-0 by Manly as well. Mm. So that doesn't really help when you're looking for a possibility of bringing someone back into the fray. Um, but on this game, after what I saw from the Seagulls, in particular the middles and my concern uh, with the South Sydney middles, I'll be tipping Manly. South, again, could have won both games, and I'm going to go with them. Manly, I've seen one, you know, average performance and one exceptional performance, so I'll tip South. Again, yep. they've got to get off the mark. Mr. Gossett agrees with you. Oh, sorry, he agrees with me. He's going with Manly. Uh, and the odds for that one, they're $1.78 favourites, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, 205. For South, minus one and a half is the line. One to 12 South, 350. 320 for the Eagles. 13 plus South, 450. Uh, 375 for the Eagles. Sharks versus the Eels, and probably the most intriguing game of the round. Hopefully, it meets the quality that it should, but the first two weeks, these teams have been disappointing. Brad Arthur has resisted the urge for mass changes, but Bo Scott is back on the bench. Will Smith drops out, uh, and Alvaro moves back to the reserves. Uh, what else have we got here? Kenny Edwards has returned to the bench, much needed. Hopefully, like we said, a bit more leg drive and yeah. that in place. Uh, Kane Evans is back on the bench as well. And Brad Takarengi, who copped a stray elbow to the face last week, he's out of the side. So they've made a that's, couple. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because Takarengi was, I think it was good, particularly the first week. Yeah, and on the Sharks side of things, they've dropped... Uh, straight away, Aaron Gray after his fumbles last week. And Jesse Ramian, the young under-20s player who's off to Newcastle next year, who had his debut. He's into the side. They've got Josh Dugan at fullback. Holmes is still on the wing. Moylan's still in the six. So, uh, desperation times. But obviously, out of the two things I've seen so far, I feel more confident about the Sharks from what I've seen, if they can get things right. Mm-hmm. Parramatta and in the middles again where I've got concern, I, I just don't know. I think this comes down to ill-discipline. An error has been pushed out of the Sharks game and a bit of continuity, but Parramatta just need a complete wake-up call. Para, I'm going para. You get bounce back is? factor, yeah. Well, they both oh, need no, to bounce flip, back. Flip a coin, who knows? I, I'll, just, I'll go with para. I think para are the better side. They'll be further up the ladder at the end of the year. Well, Gossip's on the Eels as well, and they're $1.82 favourites. The Sharkies, $2.00. Minus 1.5 is a line. 1 to 12, 3.15 Eels, 3.30 for the Sharks. 13 plus $4 for the Eels, 4.50. For the Sharks, I'm going with the Sharks, obviously. Uh, St. George versus the Gold Coast Titans. You get back this week, I'm pretty certain. Uh, Ash Taylor's been ner- uh, named to return, so we'll see if that comes through. He's got to push through that hamstring niggle. Um, you've obviously got Bryce Cartwright going back to lock. Will Matthews goes back to the bench. And Jared Wallace's suspension is now over. So he's back onto the bench as well. Arrow starting. Wouldn't surprise me if that flipped. 
Um, but he was very, very good last week in the front row. Yeah. On the Dragon side of thing, uh, they're unchanged except Lattimore's in Jersey 18 again. And the last two weeks, he's came in and replaced Cello. For me, this is a no-brainer. I know it's on the... Sorry, what's this? Clive Berghofer Stadium. Is this somewhere else, is it? Yeah, it's at uh, Toowoomba. Oh, there you go. Because of uh, the um, Commonwealth Games. I forgot about that. They said last week that Ash Taylor was going home. So last week, conveniently, it was his birthday. He didn't play. Now he's going back home to Toowoomba to play well, again. he's been yeah, out. I would lean on the side that he won't play this week, so I'll go the Dragons. Well, I've tipped the Dragons just off what I've seen the first two rounds, and Mr. Gossip agrees is there, so clean sweep, and no surprise, they've been outstanding so far. And the odds, they're $1.50 favourites, regardless of being away from home. 260 for the Titans, minus 5.5 is the line. 1 to 12 for the Dragons, $3, 4 for the Titans, 13 plus 275 Dragons, 650 for the Titans. Another cracker game, it's Cronk versus Pierce, it's the Knights versus the Roosters. They've found a way to win their first two games, but coming up to Allianz, I'd like to say a big crowd, but they don't very often get one. Oh. The Roosters have Reese Robinson making his club debut on the wing, so he's coming in, obviously, for the injury there for Daniel Tupo. Napa returns to the starting side. Rhea Hargraves is benched, and Frank Paul is on the extended bench. Mitch Orbison's on the bench, despite that nasty cut that he got to the head last week. So, um, yeah, Frank Paul back in the fray. That's a bit random. And on the Newcastle side of things, Jamie Bureau, the co-captain, he's back on the bench and it pushes Jacob Safiti to the reserve. So I'd love to see the upset here. I really, really would, but I'm going to tip the Roosters. Yeah, Roosters. But it will uh, give us a really good look at where the Newcastle Knights are at. 100%. Interesting to see how Pierce plays against his old side along with Guerra, SKD, Watson, etc. There's a few boys obviously up there. Uh, Mr. Gossip, he's with us on the Roosters and this one's probably one of the bigger odds for the round, it's $3.30 for the Newcastle Knights, $1.34 for the Roosters, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Minus 8.5 is the line. 1 to 12, $3 Roosters, four fifty Knights, 13 plus 230 for the Roosters, $9 for the Knights. So, plenty of different one there. You're on the dogs on your own. I'm on the cows on my own. Gossip went the Broncos on his own. I went the Warriors on my own. Uh, you're on Souths on your own. I went the Sharks on my own. So, there's six games there where all of us have got something. To chop and change, and then we've both all finished off on the Dragons and the Roosters. Yeah. But uh, looking at some of the pro sports syndicate bets from last week, as we give them a big thank you for uh, sponsoring our betting and tipping segment for this year and obviously taking over that charity account, Brock, which we much appreciate. Absolutely. Hasn't exactly been uh, the brightest of starts for us, unfortunately. Well, who's had a good win on the punt? Fair income. Harder to pick than a dirty nose, so... Yeah, well, last week, Parramatta certainly didn't. a broken didn't. nose, not a dirty nose. Parramatta certainly didn't help our cause last week, that's for sure. Uh, but they went 8-8 eight and eight in their bets. But depending on the stakes they put on, I think they made a small loss this week. Uh, they're obviously betting in larger units, like I said. But the profit return, it was minus 5%. Uh, but a couple of their bigger bets got up, which were lines. They took the start on South Sydney, which they covered. Which, again, like I said, you look at all the tips that come through, it's not you're going to outlay on all 18 of them. You're not going to take all the player props and stuff like that. It's mainly the lines, maybe some margin bet they're interested in. But that one, and they obviously had Brisbane to cover at three and a half. So they're two decent bets there where if you had a decent stake on it, you would have come out uh, ahead in those games, box heads. So, uh, is there anything you liked this week as far as any of those head-to-heads? I had a good, I had a good multi this week. I, had, uh, I took the Warriors minus ten and a half. That got up into South plus eight and a half, which got up. And then I took the Tigers plus 16 and a half, and that paid about eight bucks. So I had a nice little collect. The wife was happy about that. Yep. 100%. But um, that was just one that I had on Saturday night because, you know, I, I had a decent day on the races and I thought, well, I'll have a little crack and it'd give me a, a vested interest in all the games. So 
It was good. My friend, I went and bought a uh, wood fire pizza oven on the back of that, so it was good. There you go. Very, very happy. But Bang. yeah, there's some good ones in there. South Sydney covered there. Start for the handicap there. Uh, so you've got decent odds. The dollar ninety start if you're betting in hundred dollar units like they are. Ninety three dollars bank straight away. North Queensland, they had the handicap on them. Uh, obviously, that one was a close game. $93 coming up there with Bet365 is who they had that one with. And then they've got some random ones like we've talked about before. So most tries between a couple of players. They took the tie in the South Sydney game between two players and the newcastle Canberra game. They paid out. Most tackles for South Sydney, Sam Burgess, paid out. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of different stuff here. But if you focused on those main things, lines, bits and pieces like that, this weekend you would have had a nice win. But... Uh, two rounds in, like I said, if you would have had this for a month right now, it's two losing weeks only just, but if it goes wrong, you get the next month for free. Yeah, so absolutely. your investment's going to return to you in the second month anyway. You pick the bits and pieces you want. You don't need to bet on everything, but out of 18 bets, they went 99. So it just matters about the stakes you put on there. So Absolutely. And yeah, most people aren't going to bet all of them. So you just got to pick the right ones. The ones that you're more confident on and they've, they've got, then stick with them. Yeah, the big ones, obviously, your main markets, like your starts and the lines and handicaps on games. So Multi a couple of them together and happy days. Like everyone, they'll warm their way into the season. We all struggle with our tips early days, which yeah. is no surprise. Hopefully things settle a bit more this week. But for our tipping and our bets and the charity account this year, big thanks goes to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Look out for that link that we're going to put up there. Like I said, again, 99 for your first month. If the tips don't equate to a profit margin, you get the next month for free. If you follow it for the whole year and you don't get a profit out of the tips for the year, you're obviously looking at getting 29 and free. The NFL package it just finished up, they ended up with a 27% return uh, you know, on the year, which is a good massive. outcome there. You obviously want to be finishing ahead. And these guys are full-time gamblers, proper analysts. They do this for a living. So this isn't some pissy thing. Pro punters, my friend. That's right. I pro wish punters. I could be a pro punter, but unfortunately, well, I've got to be. slave away. You can be, mate. But a massive thank you to the Pro Sports Syndicate and check out for that link on our page. And thank you to our other sponsors, pokerlocks.com. If you're a club out there looking for a fundraiser, get it on their website and find out how you can get a $1,000 guaranteed profit. Penrith Solar Centre, get on the front foot, pay itself off in three to four years, help your bills. They're not going down. And obviously, Nepean Boltmaster, if you're a trader, if you're an engineer, if you need abrasives or any other bits and pieces, Nepean Boltmaster, Penrith Castle Hill, they're the way to go. Boxhead, that's us. In the book for another week. Another massive show. Well, and we every... should mention our uh, luncheon on Friday. Luncheon with Freddie Fitler. Oh, we forgot about at that. At the Pioneer Tavern, which will be good. Um, raising money for the Great Walk Foundation. Pioneer Tavern, what is it? A 12 o'clock kickoff, 12 till 12 3.30. 4 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I forgot. Uh... Well, no, forget? I posted it up a couple of weeks ago, but I'm pretty sure when I spoke the other day, no surprise, it sold out. Freddie Fitler being there. We've done ones before with Dougie Wilders. Bit of a cricket one. Wendell Saylor last time was very, very good and open with everybody that was there, but this time... We'll try and get some videos up. In the West, the heartland of Penrith, the new New South Wales coach and a former Penrith player before he went to the Roosters, I thought this one was obviously going to be a sellout, and that's yeah. the way it's turned out. So, And then the other one probably is our, uh, our big match on Saturday. Must-win game. If Harold we can, um Harold Matthews, yeah, we're 3-3. Three and three. Looking good. Yeah, so Had a, a team, good win on the weekend. A team in the last two seasons that won no games last year, and I think they only won one the year before. It's yep. been a great year already, obviously, getting three wins. So nice turnaround for this age group, but fingers crossed we can jag a win, and if things go away, we might be playing finals football. Yeah, well, so. if we win this week, we're going to give ourselves a chance heading into the last round. We're going to buy on over the Easter weekend, and then we'll know sort of what we have to do in round nine to get through. So um, it'll be great if we can get the result. If not... Um, yeah, the boys are going to give it a red-hot crack. So, 100%. Well, massive thanks to everybody, as always, for supporting the show. Keep uh, sharing it with everybody out there. Rate, review us on iTunes. I've seen that that's gone up. We finally got to a five-star rating. Whoa. 
which is outstanding. Keep the positives coming. We thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for supporting our sponsors as well. It's nice to have some people on board chipping in and helping out. And, uh, yeah, you've got a bit there. Set of six, game reviews, tips, betting thoughts, power rankings, all your questions. What else could you want? A couple of rounds in. The footy's been good. Let's hope it continues along this manner. If your team's been on the scrap heap, hopefully they go well this week. If your team's punching above, hopefully they can hold on for you. But most importantly, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.